review of competition in the energy sector later this morning. Ministers are under pressure to intervene on behalf of consumers following inflation-busting price rises by some of the biggest suppliers. University lecturers at colleges across Beds, Hearts and Books are expected to take part in a national one-day strike today over pay. This morning, picket lines are expected at both campuses of the University of Hertfordshire, as well as the Luton and Bedford sites of the University of Bedfordshire and the Open University. Buckingham New University in High Wycombe will be targeted later in the day. A mother of seven from Flittig has been jailed for benefit fraud after claiming to be a single parent when her partner was living with her. The judge at Luton Crown Court acknowledged that her children would suffer but said the extent of the fraud meant custody was appropriate. More from Carol Abercrombie. Trudy Harris, who's 38 of St Nicholas Close in Flittig, was jailed for 18 weeks after receiving £37,000 in income... Hospitals in England are admitting too many patients as emergencies, according to a report by the government spending watchdog. The National Audit Office says at least a fifth of last year's emergency admissions in England could have been managed out of hospital. In sports news, Tottenham have reached the quarterfinals of the League Cup after beating Hull City on penalties. Spurs came from 2-1 behind in extra time to draw 2-2 and force the shootout, which they then went on to win 8-7. Meanwhile, Manchester City needed extra time to secure their 2-0 win at Newcastle. And the weather forecast, it'll be a dry morning with some hazy sunshine. It'll stay dry for most places this afternoon, but there may be a few spots of rain from any thicker cloud around. Maximum temperatures of 13 degrees Celsius, that's 55 degrees Fahrenheit. And get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Hands up who spent 15 minutes in a wet, rainy car park this morning waiting to scare one of their colleagues. Me. Keep your hands up. Keep your hands up if it actually worked. No? No one? No? That was a waste of time, wasn't it? Never mind. I blame Catherine Boyle. She was looking out of the window to see what would happen. So Kelly Betts looked up, saw her, waved, then turned around and saw me charging towards her, wearing a balaclava. Maybe go a bit too far with the, the face mask, but, you know... Lots coming up on the show today. Another vote on HS2 this afternoon. This is going to be the last one until the new year. Paul Scoynes is pretty jazzed about it. We'll discuss. The poppy appeal is up and running, but where are the sellers? Are you wearing last year's in the hope you'll be able to put some money in the pot before Remembrance Day? Or are you just not that bothered? Do you think it's time we moved on? And, oh, for goodness sakes, we've been sent another one of those local calendars with middle-aged women in the nuddy. Please! Can't we just pay dumpy fundraisers to keep their clothes on? Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR It's all for a good cause, but jeez, I don't want to see that. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR Send me a text 81333 Start your text 3CR or give me a call 08459 455 555 Across beds, hearts and bucks This is BBC Three Counties Radio Across beds, hearts and bucks This is Ian Lee BBC Three Counties Radio Oh, 
08459 is the uh, telephone number if you want to give us a call. Now, the HS2, the high-speed railway line from London to the north, is being debated in the Commons again today. The controversial railway line, which will shave half an hour off a trip to Birmingham, will cut through large parts of the Chilterns and cost, well, I've heard figures between 42 and 50-odd billion pounds. Today, MPs will decide whether to allow the Treasury to spend more money on the railway line, although critics say today's vote is pure politics and will have little impact on the project. Well, political reporter Paul Scoynes is here. Paul, what's going on today? Well, Ian, uh, it's called the Paving Bill, and I suppose it paves the way forward uh, for the government to release more funds to start the next stages of HS2. Um, Now, that doesn't mean there's going to be spades in the ground on Friday. Uh, The bill's sort of intended to ensure that the development of the proposed railway goes through smoothly uh, and is supposed to, if nothing else, give security to those who are going to be spending money, HS2 Limited, for example, uh, on the the permission to go and compulsory purchase land and spend money on compensation as well. It also means the government has to produce an annual report on the progress of the railway. This is the third reading of the bill, so it's the final opportunity for MPs to discuss it. Uh, the vote's going to go through today, isn't it? Uh, yeah, yeah. I think so. Quite quite heavily, I well, would it, imagine. Yes, I mean, the previous reading of the bill in June went through 303 for the government uh, and 27 against some of those voters uh, against or those MPs who rebelled include Cheryl Gillan from Chesham uh, and Amersham and Steve Baker from High Wycombe. Um, it could be as many as 60 MPs voting against it if reports are to be believed. My suspicions are it'll be less than that, uh, probably around maybe 40, but we are just guessing here at the moment. Um, Cheryl Gillan's put some uh, amendments through, uh, which will see, you know, hopefully uh, for her anyway, um, some, some changes to the bill. She says she wants uh, uh, some amendments in saying that there should be more connectivity with other public transport, so links to other airports, maybe Heathrow, Local Rail, Scotland, and HS1, which of course is the uh, uh, the train line to the uh, the continent via Kent. Um, she also wants to see a limit on the project's costs of fifty billion pounds and also better compensation as well. This is very confusing because you've said that this isn't the final decision and it's not even the decision which gives the go-ahead to start building, is it? Yes. Do you, can I be honest? Yes. I, I don't even think this is the most significant story about HS2 this week. Right. Because earlier in the week we had the uh, the fifth business case from HS2 Limited ah, yes. uh, uh, where they sort of looked at uh, some of the government then presented as well uh, a sort of another view of what it's going to be, another reason for, for going ahead with the project. I suppose this is to proceed... Uh, or, or to proceed with the construction of this project, the government have to have, put, have to put through something called the hybrid bill, which is what's going to go through next year. That's that's the biggie, uh, I suppose. Those those are used for issues of significant national importance. For example, the Channel Tunnel, the Crossrail project in London, big expensive projects, um, and and that will allow even more compulsory purchase orders, more compensation too. About this paving bill, I spoke last night to Hilary Wharf from the HS2 Action Alliance. She lives near to the line, uh, or the proposed line in Great Missenden. She told me her thoughts about this. The paving bill, in my view, is just plain politics because the paving bill was never an item that had to be on the government's agenda in order to make HS2 happen. Um, but they knew, or they do know, that there's no hope of getting the hybrid bill through in their, um, in this term of Parliament. And so basically, by getting the paving bill through, they're going to be able to go into the next election to be able to say, look, 
you know, we've, we've got it all sorted. We've got yeah. something through. Um, and, um, you know, we've got all the parties signed up to it. And here's the proof. Now, speaking of spending money, we're hearing so many different figures. What's the total today? <laughs> well, today, Ian, uh, the government puts the cost of the line at £42.6 billion. Now, that is the line. Just that the train track. The construction of the line and all the other purchases. Yep. Now, HS2 Limited says that includes a lot of contingency funds and compensation money, but a railway, of course, needs trains, and they'll cost another £7.5 billion. So you're looking at that point at around £50 billion. Now, some people, some people say... Well, you don't include VAT in that, so that's another £8 billion, so that's £58 Oh, because when you're getting building work done, I I never include the VAT. (laughs) I never include that in the amount it's going to cost me. Now, if it was, I suppose, a non-government project, I could go with that. To the point where, you know, yes, you're right, but this is a government project, so the government is going to get the VAT back. So I think that's a sort of cost-neutral thing, if I'm honest. Now, the Public uh, Accounts Committee, which is a fairly influential committee of MPs who hold uh, public bodies to account over their finances, Finances discussed this earlier this year, and uh, and Margaret Hodge, the leader or the chair of that committee, put this point to the Department of Transport that the costs were spiralling. Before there's been a spade in the ground, uh, all the costs are moving in the wrong direction. Is that correct? Um, costs are going up, benefits are going down. So uh, I will ask David to say a bit more about this, but in, in the costs of the project um, are dependent on the scope. And um, we have been doing, HS2 Limited has Is been doing... Is it just doing, true or not true that the, over, the, the, over the period the costs have gone up and the benefits have gone down? The, 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 predicted, the, the predicted costs are up and the predicted benefits are down. I'm not disagreeing with the figures thank in Figure you. 5. I'm trying okay. to... Oh, I like the... Thank you. But the government <laughs> deny that the costs are spiralling, don't they? Yeah, they do. And, um, and they have done for a long time. They're saying there's a lot of contingency, as I've said. Speaking to the BBC's Newsnight programme on Tuesday, the Transport Secretary, Patrick McLaughlin... He said that the large amount of money set aside for emergencies meant there wouldn't be a rise in the final cost. What we did there was we deliberately built in a large contingency. So what we've done is we've said we've set a target for phase one at £21 billion. But actually, I've told uh, HS2 that I want phase one to be built for £17 billion. But it is right on big projects like this to have a contingency that is part of the budget. But I very much hope it will be delivered for less than the budget that we And he said there was always a suspicion, perhaps naysayers, over how effective big infrastructure projects would be. The truth is that big infrastructure projects are always controversial until they are built. And when they're built, people say that they were the right thing to do. The same arguments were made about the M40, about the M25. People were opposed to those. They're actually very important parts of the infrastructure of our country. And I've just come from a meeting with the Chamber of of Commerce and what they were telling me, that this is important for Manchester. Okay, where are all the parties standing on this at the moment? Well, as you'd expect, the coalition... Uh, as uh, at least an official body as well behind it. There are individual Tories who are uh, saying that they don't want it. Certainly the Deputy Prime Minister, Nick Clegg, who has a Sheffield constituency, is very keen on it. Um, Labour look to be calling on it earlier uh, this year. Um, Certainly the Chancellor, Shadow Chancellor Ed Balls, 
uh, was making some noises that uh, the, the costs were unjustifiable. It looks like in the last few days the parties may be shifting on this. Ed Miliband perhaps um, putting his foot down, maybe showing a, a bit of leadership over this and saying that the party wants to back it. Um, the, he said that the party would support the new chairman of HS2 as long as he had the power to reduce the cost of the project. Labour grandees uh, like Lord Adonis, who was the man who initially put this whole project together in the last parliament, has been drafted in by Ed Miliband to, uh, to, to sort of work with uh, HS2 as well to sort of build this case up. However, you know, another Labour grandee, Lord Mandelson, uh, has already come out very vociferously against the project, mm. saying that it will be a waste of money, and that in the in the beginning it was a vanity political project to uh, to you know stiff one to the Tories. So I think you know it is interesting. It's going to be very interesting to see where this goes over the next few weeks and months. But indeed, next year when the paving bill comes through that will probably be the more significant side of things. Is that a phrase, stiff one to the Tories? Uh, some, some politicians use that. Yeah. Oh, wait, four, five, nine, four, double, five, five, double, five. If you want to have your say on that, not on whether that's a phrase, but on the story of HS2. Well, it sounds like what those politicians need is a little bit of help mm. by the Beatles. Ah. Help, I need somebody. Help, not just anybody. Help, you know I need someone. Thank you then, Beatles. Right, it's 6.16, it's BBC Three Counties Radio. Let's get the latest travel news now. Here's Alice Glossop. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
Thanks very much. Good morning. We've got problems already on the M25. Anti-clockwise is down to one lane between and um, down to two lanes, sorry, between junction 24 for Potter's Bar and 23 for South Mims. That's after an accident involving two lorries. They're accused back to junction 25 for Enfield. Also anti-clockwise, there's a lane closed between 17 for Maple Cross and 16 for the M40 after a breakdown that is causing some uh, slow congestion around there. The cameras are showing that things are still pretty quiet on the M40 though this morning. Some potential busy areas to look out for later. The A40 eastbound up at Forest Hill, there's one lane closed for roadworks between the B4027 and the M40 for drainage works. This is Alice Glossop, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much, Alice. 6.17. It's uh, Thursday, the 31st of October. Spooky. Spooky, huh? <sighs> These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. MPs will vote today on plans for the controversial high-speed rail line HS2 that would run through parts of Buckinghamshire. University lecturers at colleges across beds, hearts and bucks are taking part in a national one-day strike over pay later on. And in sport, Manchester and uh, City and Tottenham have reached the quarter-finals of the League Cup. The weather today, cloudy start this morning, but with outbreaks of rain, dry conditions will follow in the afternoon. Maximum temperature of 15 degrees Celsius, that's 59 degrees Fahrenheit. Coming up, Poppies, are you wearing yours? BBC Three Counties Radio. Here at BBC Three Counties Radio, we want to show off everything that's amazing about where we live. And to do that, we need your help. We'd like you to send your pictures of your favourite places from the Three Counties. Places like Dunstable Downs, Amptill Park, Ivinghoe Beacon, MK's Concrete Cows, Nebworth House, Waddeston Manor. We'll then use them on our Facebook page to show everyone exactly what this area has to offer. Send your pictures to 3CR at bbc.co.uk and then visit facebook.com slash BBC3CR to see everyone's favourite parts of beds, hearts and bucks.
So silly, we'll get rid of it. Uh, 08459-455-555. HS2 is rumbling on towards its uh, conclusion where it may actually rumble on through the country. Dennis is in Dunstable, the first caller of the morning. Good morning, Dennis. Good morning, Ian. Dennis, what would you like to say? What? Well, I just can't understand. I'm a confused old man. In I know. Place. Right. Fair we know. I can, let's Why see if we can uh, sort you out. To get to Birmingham half an hour earlier, right? That's the first thing. They're only talking about people. What about goods? Are they going to be travelling on this fast machine? Because it's another ten years before it's going to be completed. In that time, electronics will advance so fast. We won't need to go to Birmingham to do anything, to shop, to have conferences or anything else. It's nice in Birmingham. It's got the biggest library in Europe. So what? We've got a nice library in Dunstable. Yeah, but is it as big as the the one in Birmingham? No, but you can get stuff on the internet anyway. I can go into the Birmingham library on the internet. Right. it's just to me. I'm sorry, but the, the, I, by I'm, more by people going to Birmingham and yes. uh, um, and by the way, it'd be about 25 years before this yes. is actually in place. By people going to Birmingham, that will surely invest money into Birmingham and into all these other places along the way because people, more people, will be shopping, more people will be eating, more people will be using the hotels. How often do you go out shopping to London? Um, I was shopping in London. I'm, I'm saying, how often do you go? Well, I was there two days ago. I bought right, some okay. jeans and some aftershave. Yeah. Well, that's easy. You could have got that over the internet. No, I don't. I don't like buying clothes over the internet. Why not? I like to try them on, make sure they fit. Well, it's all right. You'll be able to. By then, electronics will allow you to fit them in the house without even losing losing the place. Just come on, come on, come into the come into the twenty first century for God's sake. Dennis, thank you very much indeed. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five is the telephone number if you want to give us a call. Now, I haven't seen, um, no, no, I haven't seen a poppy seller out on the street. I've seen some on a, a kind of uh, counter in a shop, but I've not seen any out on the street. And yet this year's appeal launched almost a week ago. Well, we were talking about poppies the other day, and I said, oh, maybe considering possibly buying a white poppy. After all, the money goes to the same place. Right? Wrong. It doesn't. Well, we can speak now to Albert Beale. He's from the Peace Pledge Union, the organisation behind the white poppy. What's the thinking behind the white poppy, Albert? Uh, Good morning. Well, the point about the white poppies is to show that it's quite possible to have an attitude of regretting and mourning the horrors of warfare, but in a context of 
being absolutely committed to refuse and renounce any future wars. One of the problems with the orthodox remembrance ceremonies for many of us is that the people involved in organising them may look very mournful on Remembrance Sunday, but on Monday morning they're back in their office planning the next war, the politicians and the military top brass. And for some of us, that really isn't on. If you, if you really think the war is an awful thing, which of course it is, then you have to absolutely resist any future war. Now, the, the money from the Red Poppies, of course, goes to the Royal British Legion to help those who, uh, the families and those who have served and are serving. But the money for the White Poppy doesn't go there, does it? Well, no, I mean, the, the, the money for the White Poppy, the donations that come in for the White Poppy, are to support the production of the poppy and the promotion and the distribution of the White Poppy and to support the work of people who are trying to resist war and oppose war and look after the mess of war rather than the people who are causing war. I mean, it's, it's a dreadful indictment of a 20th century country that in world terms is a very rich country like Britain that we have to go around rattling tins for people who need help anyway. And why, why should it be necessary for somebody who's injured or bereaved, whether they're in the military or anywhere else, to have to have people rattling tins to get right. Why, why should it be? But, but sadly it is, isn't it? There, I mean, there are the, the, the money from the Red Poppies goes to help those families well, of course, have lost... I mean, no, nobody's going to object to the idea that, that somebody who needs help, you donate money to help them. If, if you want to give money to somebody who, who needs help, then obviously there's nothing wrong with that. But the, the, the problem is that the mentality behind a lot of the organisers of the official remembrance and the red poppies are the people who are causing the problem in the first place by perpetuating the idea that one way of solving the problem the world's problems is to go around mass use of arms people going around slaughtering one another well pacifists actually think that is not the way to solve the world's problems and we have to we try and resist that and the idea of the white poppy is to is to represent a vision of getting beyond warfare rather than just perpetuating it but do you not feel um any remorse or guilt that you are potentially diverting funds away from families mm. and servicemen whose lives have been blighted by the fact that they've, they've, they've lost legs or they've lost relatives and, and that money will be going to them and yet you're kind of diverting money away from I, that. I, I, mean, I really don't think we're diverting money in any significant way in the sense that obviously we may get through tens of thousands of white poppies in a year whilst the, the British Legion uh, is producing tens of millions in a year. So in, in that sense, financially, it's, it's, it's not a major thing. But, but <clears throat> for, for, for us, the, the money is not the key problem. It, it's not money we're raising, it's issues we're raising. The whole problem is with the way that commemorations of war are done is, is that they're normally done in ways which perpetuate the idea that war, warfare in the current world has still has a continuing role as a way of solving problems and, and there are many people we may be minority but there are still many people who think that warfare is never the way it's never the, the, the thing you resort to it's, it's just not an appropriate way of trying to deal with things there are some people aren't there albert who frown upon the white poppy i was reading a story in the paper this week about uh, a member of the clergy who wanted to wear a white poppy and uh, various uh, organizations were saying well if, if she's going to wear a white poppy we don't want her taking a remembrance service well, I, clearly the issue of how you look back at war and what it implies for your attitude to people who were involved in war and to future wars is something which is very current. You know, it's a political issue. I mean, but one of the problems, I suppose, with, with Red Poppies for some of us is, is that it is seen as something all-embracing and national and neutral. Well, for many people, it's not a neutral symbol. It is a highly loaded political symbol, the Red Pop. The, the red poppy people may well wear red poppies for many different reasons and some of them may be quite creditable reasons but it is nevertheless a political symbol and therefore it is going to be controversial and and i quite understand that i mean there are lots of people who do wear 
white poppies and red poppies and there are some people who choose one and some the other and some some neither some don't know that there is a, a, a white poppy that's an alternative option so there may well be more people who would who would like to wear one if they knew about it do you think final question albert do you think that uh, military people who wear red poppies are being slightly hypocritical uh if they're still in the military and therefore part of the system which is supporting encouraging the idea that warfare is a is a relevant thing in the modern age then they are being hypocritical if they really anybody whether in the military or not who really thinks that war is so awful we mustn't have it again has to stop having it i mean the answer to, to stopping wars is to stopping having them not planning the next one albert i appreciate your time this morning it's uh, certainly given me and i'm sure my listeners a lot to think about albert beale from the peace pledge union the organization behind the white poppy what do you think about what you've just heard there i'm sure there are a few of you at home nodding away sure there are perhaps more of you at home fuming at what you've just heard yeah oh eight four five nine four double five five double five coming up to six thirty, bbc three counties radio let's get the latest travel now here's alice travel news for beds hearts and bugs bbc three counties radio Thanks very much. Those problems on the M25 still going on. Anti-clockwise is down to two lanes between Junction 24 for Potter's Bar and 23 for South Mims after an accident involving two lorries. They're accused back to Junction 25 for Enfield and it is looking really slow on the speed sensors. Also anti-clockwise, one lane is closed between Junction 17 for Maple Cross and 16 for the M40 after a breakdown. Things are a bit slow around there. In Berkhamsted, there's water main work on Chesham Road at Two Dells Lane. And in Milton Keynes, the A5 Fenny Stratford Bypass has one one lane closed for improvements at Walting Street on the bypass there, and we've been advised that you should expect delays. This is Alice Glossop, BBC Three Counties Radio. Alice, thank you very much indeed. It's 6.30. Let's get the latest news and sport now. Here's Barry Caffrey. Oh. No. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Half past six, I'm Barry Caffrey. The headlines, MPs are voting today on whether to give the government permission to spend about £40 billion on the controversial HS2 project. It's thought around 30 Conservative MPs, including Chesham and Amersham's Cheryl Gillen, will vote against the move. University lecturers at colleges across Beds, Hearts and Books are expected to take part in a national one-day strike later over pay. Picket lines are expected at the Luton and Bedford sites of the University of Bedfordshire, as well as the University of Hertfordshire and the Open University. A mother of seven from Flitwick has been jailed for 18 weeks for benefit fraud after claiming to be a single parent when her partner was living with her. The judge at Luton Crown Court acknowledged that her children would suffer but said the extent of the fraud meant custody was appropriate. And the weather, it'll be a dry morning with some hazy sunshine. It'll stay dry for most places this afternoon. Maximum temperatures of 13 degrees Celsius. That's 55 degrees Fahrenheit. Three Counties Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. Tottenham have reached the quarterfinals of the League Cup after beating Hull City on penalties. Spurs came from 2-1 behind in extra time to draw 2-2 and force the shootout, which they then went on to win 8-7. Andre Villas-Boas was delighted to see his side finally win a penalty shootout after losing their previous seven attempts. 
Also for myself, I've lost a couple in the cup against Academica and uh, we suffered in Basel last season. And, uh, you know, the most uh, ironic thing is that we, we didn't train this time for penalties and all of them were slotted perfectly. <laughs> and, uh, and against Basel, we trained and trained and, uh, and ended up uh, missing all uh, three of them. So uh, it, was, it was great for the players to enjoy this victory and, and break that wood as well. Newcastle's hopes of winning the League Cup are over for another season after they were beaten 2-0 in extra time by Manchester City. The Newcastle manager Alan Pardew says their fourth round defeat is hard to take. The last four performances I think have been strong but we've, uh, we've only taken one point and uh, got knocked out in the cup in that period. And that's hard to take I think. I couldn't have asked more from the players tonight. They carried the game plan through to the letter and uh, we just didn't get a break when we perhaps needed one. Queen's Park Rangers missed out on the chance to move back into second place in the Championship after they drew 0-0 with Wigan. And Gareth Bale scored twice as Real Madrid beat Sevilla 7-3 in the first start at the Bernabeu. England's cricketers are playing in their first warm-up match of the Ashes Tour against a Western Australia chairman's eleven in Perth. The hosts are batting after they won the toss and a short time ago they had reached 115 runs with no loss of wickets. Plays underway on day one of the World Golf Championships event in Shanghai. Rory McIlroy has an early share of the lead and he's on five under par after ten holes. BBC Three Counties Radio News and Sport. I'll have a full bulletin at seven. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Lots for you to get involved with this morning. We'll be talking about Halloween in a few minutes. Also, after the next record, record, what's that, Grandad? Uh, Catherine and I will be going through the newspapers. If you want to join us, it's kind of a free-for-all. If you want to join us, you just hang on the line and chip in. 08459 455 555. But before that, Michael's in Bedford on the subject of the poppy. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Ian. Are you wearing your poppy yet? Um, well, no, I've only just got out of bed. Oh, well, OK. <laughs> not, not, not immediately. But have you started wearing one this year? Yes, I have, yeah. Ha- can uh, I, here's a question. How much did you pay for your poppy? Well, I stuck a donation of £2 in the OK. In the We're trying to work... We've got the Colonel coming in. The Colonel was on last year. It was very fiery. He's, he's agreed to come back uh, this morning. And we're, we're going to try and find out from him what he thinks is a decent donation. But, but what have you called in about, Michael? Well, I went by my poppy yesterday from my local doctor's surgery. Yeah. I said, can I have a pin to put it on? And the girl running around said, no, we don't supply pins this year. Sorry? For health and safety. You are joking. Um, <laughs> she did not actually say that. Yes. Well, what, are you and, spo- what are you supposed to do with it then? Well, I found that the um, British Legion after that, when I got home, uh, no, we can't supply pins at the moment because of health and safety. Oh, my God. So you've got to supply your own. So it's all right for me to go and buy pins and stick them in my chest and all the rest of it, but I can't have one given to me with Poppy. You've got to love you've got Michael, you've got to love it. You've got to love it. It's political madness gone wrong. No, hang on, that's not it. To lead a better life, I need my love to be here.
Beatles songs of all time from Revolver. It's beautiful. It's nice. That and For No One, the two, two of the best Beatles songs. But the best Beatles song of all time is, Catherine? Oh, I'm looking through you. No, that's incorrect. Kelly Betts, the best Beatles song of all time is? Um, that's Follow You song, Follow the Sun. No, that's incorrect. Let's go to Justin Dealey. Justin Dealey, the best Beatles song of all time is? Please, please me. I will do it in a second, but what's the best Beatles song? <laughs> please, 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 no, of course, it's from the White Album. It's Martha, my dear. Really? No. Yeah. No. Come yeah. on, stop yeah. trying to be all cool. Yeah. It's well, about a dog. Exactly. <laughs> so is uh, anyway. So is Jet. But let's not go into that. Uh, Daily, what do you want? I'm, I'm doing the pa- about doing the papers with yeah, Catherine. I'm talking about Halloween. Why? Uh, are you celebrating? Well, celebrating is the wrong word. But yes, I have two little boys. Mm. Uh, the eldest, who is uh, will be four in January, is very excited about Halloween. He likes it because it's spooky. He's got some toy spiders mm-hmm. that he keeps putting on my shoulder to try and scare me with. Uh, and we've got pumpkins and all that kind of stuff around the house. So yes, I guess we celebrate. You've got young children, Catherine. Yeah, I have, and they um, like dressing up too. And we go out to Grandma's house and we walk in the dark with torches, dressed up, and they love it. Spooky. Probably a bit too scary for you, just isn't it? Well, it's, it's not too scary. I mean, Ian, I have actually been out this morning. Would you like to hear some views? I've been uh, getting people's views on Halloween. Will they be celebrating? Two very different views coming up here. Uh, here's what happened. It's about Halloween, sir. You going to be celebrating? I'm not sure. Maybe, maybe. Yeah? yeah. Have you celebrated in previous years? Yeah, I have been. Yeah. So, so what have you done? Um, just mainly trick-or-treating. That's it, really. So how old are you? 22. Okay, now when you go trick-or-treating, what actually happens? Do people actually give you treats? Boy, I said back in the day they did, but <laughs> as the years have gone by, I think it's died down, everyone's lost... People are becoming stingy. Yeah, 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 definitely. Now, what happens then? Just lastly, what happens if somebody turns around and says, OK, trick, then what? It, it depends on it depends on who you are. <laughs> <laughs> it depends on who you are, because obviously, yeah. if you say trick, and you can egg them, that's a trick at the end of the day, so... You've it, egged somebody before? No, no, I personally haven't. But your friends have? But I've seen it, I've seen it happen. I mean, that's outrageous, isn't it? <laughs> so if somebody says trick, your friends have egged that person on their doorstep... Wait, you can say that, you can say that. Wow, that is... That's terrible, isn't it? Come on, you got to admit, that's terrible. I hear that, but... Wait, I don't know, boy. But you wouldn't do that personally? No, no, I wouldn't do that. You seem like a nice lad. Yeah, I am, I am. Thank you very much. Appreciate your time. It's cool. Are you going to be celebrating tonight, sir? No. No. Well, we think it's stupid. Why do you think it's stupid? Well, it's just an excuse for people to act daft and that, isn't it, really? I mean, at one time, we never used to bother with it. Uh, what people were looking for at one time 
or looking towards was uh, Guy Fawkes Night. Yeah. Now we have all this stuff to do with Halloween. Uh, and when I was a youngster many years ago, uh, we never gave it a second thought. It was mainly Guy Fawkes Night. So what happens then if somebody knocks at your door tonight and they say trick or treat, what will you do? Nothing. Slam the door in their face. No, we won't even answer it. Right, my, my opinions on this are thus. That couple at the end, grumpy. Mm-hmm. That lad at the start, 22. It's, it's just too, too old. old. It's too old, isn't it, Catherine? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Unless you've got children, then you can do what you want. I would say the cut-off point for going trick-or-treating is, um, <clears throat> let me think, 12. Probably go yeah. along with that. Yeah. When we're talking teens... Plus, they don't try very hard. They just put their hoods up, don't they? Yeah, exactly. Well, no. The thing is, you know, that, that young kid there, 22 years old, um, trick or treat, um, he, he claims, of course, that he hasn't done it himself, but his friends have turned round and egged somebody on their doorstep. Now, how on earth can you explain that? Well, it's trick or treat. So what happens is you get... To egg somebody on your doorstep, oh. I mean, what, what sort of person will go out and if somebody goes, OK, trick, they would then get an egg out of their pocket and egg that person on their own property. That is disgusting. I wonder whether they're abiding by the Halloween etiquette as well. You know what the rules are, don't you? What are the rules? If you've got a pumpkin outside, that means you yes. welcome yes. trick or treaters. Yeah, that's If you correct. haven't, leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> you probably hate it, don't you, Justin? Um, do you know what? I, I, I love it because of the music, actually. I think every single year it's an excuse what? to dig out the Halloween music. But what? Hang on a second. Let's go through, let's go through yeah. the, uh, the, the two Halloween songs. Uh, no, okay. three Halloween songs. That one that goes... That one. Jump by um, the Van Halen. Monster no. Mash. Monst- OK, Monster okay, Mash. One. Michael Jackson's Thriller. OK, so that's a okay. Go- Ghostbusters theme. Yep. There's a Rockwell. ghost in my house. Well, yeah, yeah Arden you should get Taylor. Yes. Well. Do, who, no one remembers, and I bought this on 7-inch vinyl... Love Bug Starsky, the theme to Amityville. Do you remember that? Oh, play it before seven. Well, yeah, like we're going to have it on our system. No, we'll I'll find it for you. Amityville. It was a place on a hill. <laughs> well, I was going to a party at Amityville. No one, no one plays that anymore. We'll have a look. Let's have a look. It's yeah. by Love Bug Starsky. Love Bug Starsky, of all people. Justin, excellent stuff. What are you up to for the rest of the morning? I'm going to be talking about poppies. Um, you've been talking about that already this morning. I'm yep. going to be asking the question, what do you think is a fair price to pay? And also, um, talking to the older generation and the younger generation to see whether their views on, on wearing a poppy meet somewhere in the middle. Justin, excellent stuff. We'll speak to you later on if you want to have your sound up. 08459 455 555. Catherine Boyle has the papers. Yeah, I have. I'm, I'm sort of looking through them. And, um, oh, Harry Potter's going to play St- um, Seb Coe. Uh, uh, what? Snooker? <laughs> Running, Daniel Radcliffe's wish not to appear naked so often in his stage and film work will be granted in his next role, but he will oh. be obliged to wear a pair of obnoxiously skimpy running shorts. Short shorts. Yeah. So he's going to play. He's playing which, Seb Coe. Yeah. No. No. Yes. Yeah. And the film. Who's going to be playing Steve Ovette? Because that's what it's about, isn't it? Who would be good for that? And that is one of the greatest sporting rivalries of all time. You turned your nose up at this. It really was in the same way that Steve Davis versus uh, Jimmy White. It was. Um, Upper middle class versus working class. And um, upper middle class generally won both times, unfortunately. But were they both scintillating characters? Was there banter? Was it like Jose Mourinho versus, you know... It wasn't about the banter with Ovet and Co. It was about the, the, the excitement, the tension, the rivalry. It divided the nation. Oh, really? Who I was, was your... a bit young. Oh, don't give Steve me that. Steve Cram, more, more my ear. Oh, for goodness sake. Yeah, Roger Black. Oh, dearie me. The, the Bland. Roger Bland. I mean, he's, a nice, he's a nice lad, but come on. Ovet and Co. Passion. OK. Anything else? Men running with the veins out of the forehead. Oh, Ovet was a very veiny man. Yeah, Definitely. what else have we got? There's not a lot. I say not a lot in the papers. There is loads in there, but there's not an awful lot that sort of... Hang on. We'll find something. OK, we've got 30 seconds. Um, I did find something earlier. Uh... 
people having affairs and saying they regretted it. Yeah. Lady Gaga wearing clothes that people wouldn't wear down Sainsbury's. And Yuri Geller's going to do a trick tonight at 8.30pm. Something amazing's going to happen, says Yuri Geller. Yuri Geller, Britain's favourite bender of spoons. Isn't he good? Catherine, lovely. That's, we should, That's the paper sort. Kind of petered out towards the end, isn't it? A bit. I hold, I hold Kelly Betts personally responsible. Personally responsible for that, Kelly Betts. Thanks. You're welcome. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Those problems still going on on the M25 this morning. Anti-clockwise, we're down to two lanes between 24 for Potter's Bar and 23 for South Mims. There was an accident there involving two lorries. There's congestion back to 25 for Enfield. Also going anti-clockwise, there's a lane closed between Junction 17 for Maple Cross and 16 for the M40 after an earlier breakdown. Traffic's a bit slow around there. In Halton Regis on Bedford Road, there's gas main work at Roslyn Way. And in Wing on Leighton Road, there's temporary traffic lights for gas main works at Skewkley Road. That's until the 8th of November. This is Alice Glossop, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much, Alice. Right, 6.46. It's Thursday, the 31st of October. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. MPs are expected to vote today to give the government the authority to start spending money on preparations for HS2, the high-speed rail line that would cut through the Chilterns. University lecturers at colleges across beds, hearts and bucks are expected to take part in a national one-day strike later over pay. And in sports, Tottenham and Manchester City have both reached the quarter-finals of the League Cup. Whoop-de-doo for those guys, huh? Right, it's 6.46. Let's get the latest weather now from Elizabeth Rizzini. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Hello, very good morning to you. Boo! Did I get you? Yeah, you got me. Nice got one. Me. Yeah, I got I got it, guys. I got it. Away you go. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so, I've got uh, some cloudy, damp weather for us this morning. Outbreaks of drizzle, light rain, really, through the course of the morning. I think it will clear as we head through the late morning into the first part of the afternoon or brighten up quite nicely. In fact, always the risk of one or two showers around today, but a drier, brighter afternoon. Temperatures similar to yesterday's. We're looking at 14 or 15 degrees, 59 in Fahrenheit. The breeze will pick up slightly into the afternoon as well. Now, if you're trick-or-treating tonight, Ian, I think you'd be making quite a good job of that, then um, it'll probably be... It sounded like a compliment, but a, a second analysis, it, I think it may have been rude. <laughs> no, no, of course not. No, I don't find your face scary at all. Um, so, um, it's not going to be particularly cold, that's the good news. Temperatures uh, between around 7 and 10 degrees by the end of the night, so uh, it won't be particularly cold, but we could see a little bit of drizzle around at times. Um, so, uh, quite a lot of cloud around, and uh, the breeze will pick up as well. That's the overnight weather anyway. And then into tomorrow morning, we've got further outbreaks of light rain through the morning, very similar to today's. Um, but the rain is going to turn heavier and more persistent as we head into the afternoon and into the overnight period tomorrow. So a very wet end to the working week. As you'll remember, it was a very wet and windy start to the working week. So uh, tomorrow we do have a Met Office warning out for some heavy rain that's going to last on into Saturday. So lots and lots of wet weather around for the start of the weekend. I think Saturday morning itself should be dry and bright, but then our focus turns to the winds. It's going to turn very windy again on Saturday afternoon and into the evenings if we haven't had enough strong winds already this week. Um, I don't think it will be on a par with what we saw on Monday. Day, but still you will want to keep an eye on the forecast we'll probably see a warning issued for it a little bit later on in the day that's the forecast thank you very much cheeky 
BBC Three Counties Radio. You have no idea what it's like for the businesses up here. Local and vocal. We're at the situation where we cannot pay invoices that were due in August. And as a result, we cannot buy stock for the Christmas trade. Across beds, hearts and bucks. I mean, I've lived here 30 odd years, but you can't go out no more. I used to go down the bingo. You don't go anywhere. People on planes who are really large should pay for two seats because they take up all the space. Local and vocal across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio.
Starship, good morning. This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, if you were listening yesterday, you may have heard a, a chat I had with a gentleman who called in called Robert. Oh, I can get a breakfast, but after that, I've got stuck a little bit in my freezer, but after that's gone, I don't know what to do. But, I mean, I've had people out trying to help me, but budget me funds, but how can you when you've got nothing to live on after you've paid all your bills and that? <laughs> it's just crucifying me at the moment. I'm guessing you live on your own, is that yes, right? Yes, I do, yeah. You got any friends or, or, or family you I can have, talk to? I've got family, but they, they have to work, you know, they've got their own families. How are you feeling, Robert? Well, I, I do suffer from depression. Have you been to the doctor about that? They, yeah, I'm on uh, antidepressants. And how are you finding them? They're all right, but the point is, it, with all this, you know, trouble and everything, it makes me feel like sometimes taking my own life, and that is the honest truth. Well, it was a very honest call from Robert, and we got lots of messages during and after the show suggesting that Robert isn't alone. But pride and the feeling that you should be able to sort things out for yourself often stops people, particularly blokes, asking for help. Well, I'm joined on the phone now by Chris Muanguzi. He is the Chief Executive of the Family Matters Institute. Chris, how easy is it for this situation to happen to someone? Morning, Lee. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm very well, thank you. It's very easy for it to happen to a lot of people. I'm glad Robert called in and he was honest. And you're right, a lot of men won't be honest about it. It's down to pride, but that's not the only reason. I mean, speaking to your colleagues yesterday, I did say to them that for a lot of men, social exclusion is one of the main reasons that men, particularly single men, age 25 and above, find themselves in a situation like Robert's in. And let me explain that. Lots of men over the age of 25 are not considered vulnerable. So if you don't have a disability, if you don't have a child, if you're living on your own, then you're an able-bodied, red-blooded man. You should be in a job and it should be easy to find one. That's an assumption. It's also, uh, uh, and I'm generalising here massively, and we will get exceptions to this this morning, I'm sure. It's also, I think, harder for men to ask for help, isn't it? To say, actually, you know what, I'm struggling a bit here, I'm, I'm a bit lonely, and uh, I'm not enjoying being on my own. Well, think about it. How many men do you know will come out and say I'm the, the words, I'm lonely, and I need help? And how many men will get help when they say, listen, I'm lonely, and I need help? I'm isolated, and I need help. You're right. Many, many single men end up isolated. It, it's not just about being in a relationship. It's also about being able to, you know, get on on your own. You asked Robert, do you have any friends? And do you hear what he said? Mm. He said, not many. Um, and actually, many men are not able to ask friends for the support they need. So social exclusion, and it starts from a very early age. You know, a lot of young men get socially excluded when they're in school. As boys, they get socially excluded when they're in their families, when they're in groups of friends. And then that carries on for them. So they're not used to asking for things. And eventually, the system swallows them up. You know, they're not able to come out of it and say, look, I need help. I'm struggling. But then for women, and you know, I have to, I have to give this example, um, if a woman's living on her own and she's struggling, then she might be considered vulnerable over the age of 25. Um, and often, if a woman is in a relationship over the age of 25, she, is, she may be considered single, but will still get some help, based on a number of factors. What support is available, Chris? Well, for men, there is some support. I mean, we're coming up to International, Health, uh, International Men's Day, so you'll, you'll see a lot of organizations that support men. But, I mean, for us, for example, um, Family Matters Institute, we've got dad.info, so we'll be helping men that are fathers. And, again, I know that's a bit of a contradiction. But there's support out there for men who are in debt, 
men who are struggling with employment. There's a number of organizations. Uh, we work with an organization called Step Change. I know that they do not work just with family men, but will work with single men. I know that Quorum, for example, um, also has a service that will support men. Um, and, and, you know, there's some other services out there as well that will do. Chris, if people want to find out more about family, the Family Matters Institute, where can they go? Yeah, well, they can go to the Family Matters Institute. That's www.familymattersinstitute.org.uk. And for dad.info, all they need to do is look at dad.info. Chris, I appreciate your time this morning. That's uh, Chris Muanguzi, Chief Executive of the Family Matters Institute. Now, we haven't got time to play all of this record, but this... Does, no one remembers this song I'm about to play, OK? It was a huge hit. I rushed down to my local Owl Price to buy it on 7-inch vinyl. I haven't heard it for 26 years. Let's see if Lovebug Starsky stands the test of time. Oh, he does. Sounds very fresh. Stand the test of time. <laughs> we, we missed the bit, I'm afraid, where bizarrely Captain Kirk and uh, Mr. Spock turn up. But never mind. Maybe remind me next year. We'll play it next year. That's a promise, okay? Yeah, like I'll be here next year. Travel news for beds, cards, and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Those problems on the M25 are hanging around. Anti-clockwise is down to two lanes between 24 for Potter's Bar and 23 for South Mims after an accident involving two lorries. Those queues are all the way back to 27 for the M11 now. Also anti-clockwise, one lane is closed between 17 for Maple Cross and 16 for the M40 after a breakdown. That's slow back from Junction 18 for Chorley Wood. On the M1 London bound, things are heavy between Junction 9 for Flamstead and 7 for Hemel Hempstead. I'm Alice Glossop, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much, Alice. Coming up in the next hour or so, poppies. Are you wearing a poppy? Are you making a stand against the poppy? And how much is the right amount to pay for one? We'll find out after the news. Local and vocal across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Seven o'clock, I'm Barry Caffrey. The headlines, decision to spend more money on high-speed rail line through Buckinghamshire to be made. University lecturers across beds, hearts and books to strike over pay. And hospitals admit too many patients as emergencies. BBC Three Counties Radio. MPs are voting today on whether to give the government permission to spend about £40 billion on the controversial HS2 project. It's thought around 30 Conservative MPs, including Chesham and Amersham's Cheryl Gillen, will vote against the move. Tony Fisher has more. 
Many who live along the route through Buckinghamshire are opposed to the project, but some who live in Milton Keynes say it'll free up capacity for routes running through there. This week, a government-commissioned report said failure to go ahead with the rail link would lead to 14 years of weekend closures, while existing lines are upgraded to provide vital capacity. But the Stop HS2 campaign says the idea is a waste of money. University lecturers at colleges across beds, hearts and books are taking part in a national one-day strike today over pay. This morning, picket lines are expected at both campuses of the University of Hertfordshire, as well as the Luton and Bedford sites of the University of Bedfordshire and the Open University. Buckingham University in High Wycombe will be targeted later in the day. The Energy Secretary Ed Davey is to announce further details of a proposed review of competition in the energy market later this morning. Ministers are under increasing pressure to intervene after inflation-busting price rises by some of the biggest suppliers. The government's response will be outlined by Mr Davey in a statement to MPs. The government's spending watchdog says there are too many emergency admissions to hospitals in England. The National Audit Office also says many of these patients stay in hospital longer than is necessary. It warns that the NHS needs to deal with the problem better if it's to cope with the increased pressure on the system over the winter. A mother of seven from Flitwick has been jailed for benefit fraud after claiming to be a single parent when her partner was living with her. The judge at Luton Crown Court acknowledged that her children would suffer but said the extent of the fraud meant custody was appropriate. More from Carol Abercrombie. Trudy Harris, who's 38 of St Nicholas Close in Flittick, was jailed for 18 weeks after receiving £37,000 in income support, housing benefit and council tax benefit, which she wasn't entitled to. The court heard that her partner was living with her and running his bouncy castle business from the home. In sport, Tottenham and Manchester City have both reached the quarterfinals of the League Cup. Tottenham beat Hull City 8-7 on penalties and Manchester City required two extra time strikes to secure a 2-0 win at Newcastle. Spurs will now face West Ham in the last eight of the competition while City travel to Leicester. And the weather, it'll be a dry morning with some hazy sunshine around. It'll stay dry for most places this afternoon, but there may be a few spots of rain from any thicker cloud around. Maximum temperatures of 13 degrees Celsius, that's 55 degrees Fahrenheit. Get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. Thank you, Barry. Morning. This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Hands up if you're getting your second cold this month. Yes, yes. Bunged up, headaches, chest feeling a little bit wheezy already. Fun times ahead. Fun times ahead, guys. Lots coming up on the show this morning. Been a busy first hour, by the way. A busy second hour as well. There's another vote on HS2 this afternoon. This is going to be the last one until the new year. We've got two people coming on. One is for and one is against. Where are you on the argument on HS2? The poppy appeal. It's up and running, but where are the sellers? And are you wearing last year's in the hope that you'll be able to save a quid or two? And how much is the right amount of money to pay for a poppy? All of that and more coming up in the next hour. Facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. You can send me a text, 81333. Start your text, 3CR. 
or you can give me a call 08459 455 555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Keen to get your thoughts on the uh, the poppy story. How much are you supposed to put in uh, the tin, the colonel? If you, anyone was listening a year ago, uh, you may remember the colonel. It was fiery when he came in. He was a poppy seller. Um, he suggested, I think if I remember correctly, and we'll ask him, that a pound was a little bit tight. 08459 455 555. How much did you pay for your poppy? We'll talk about that in a bit. Now, HS2, the high-speed railway from London to the north, is being debated in the Commons again today. MPs will vote on whether to give permission for the Treasury to spend £50 billion on the project. It's thought the controversial railway line, which will run through the Chilterns, will shave half an hour off of a trip to Birmingham. Well, I'm joined now by the Lib Dem leader of Milton Keynes Council, Douglas McCall, and also the Tory MP for Chesham and Amersham, Cheryl Gillan. Good morning to both of you. Morning. morning. Cheryl, we'll start with you. You're you're against the project. Remind us why. Yes, I've been against the project right from the beginning. Um, uh, I started off basically because it went through my constituency and went through the AONV, but as soon as I started to study uh, what was happening and what was being proposed, I'm basically against it because I don't think it's good value for money. Uh, I don't think that it does what the government expects it to do in terms of connectivity. For example, it doesn't go into Heathrow, it doesn't go into um, the Channel Tunnel rail link, um, it doesn't even go into some city centres. Uh, I think it is going to uh, prove to be uh, a project which takes money from other parts of uh, our infrastructure network. Uh, And I I firmly believe that there are better ways and other alternatives, better ways to spend £50 billion. You say it doesn't go to the Channel uh, Tunnel uh, link. It it goes to Euston, which is a four-minute walk away, isn't it, from uh, from King's Cross? Well, I don't know. It might be a four-minute walk for you, Ian, but um, if you're carrying cases and everything else... I'm afraid it's considerably more. Isn't this like when the M1 was being built, or the Channel Tunnel? I remember the Channel Tunnel being built, and lots of people thought they were both follies and a waste of money, yet we've kind of grown to to love them and appreciate them. Well, no, I don't think it is at all, because um, it's not as if um, people that are saying they don't think that HS2 is the answer... Mind you, that begs what is the question, indeed, because that's never really been clearly identified. But there are other ways in which we can improve our transport infrastructure. Uh, I think it's ridiculous that we should be building um, a fixed-line link uh, between Euston and Birmingham when we don't even know where our airport capacity is going to increase in the southeast. We're waiting for a report from Howard Davis to see what we're going to do, whether we're going to have a third runway at Heathrow or whether we're going to have a completely new airport or increase the capacity at Gatwick and Stansted. And uh, I think we're putting the cart before the horse I think we are creating something that initially is probably going to boost the London economy, far more likely to boost the London economy than the north of England. And we're looking at a project that's going to be take 30 years to complete when things are changing in transport anyway. Well, sure, let me bring in uh, Lib Dem leader of Milton Keynes Council, Douglas McCall. Douglas, you're in favour of the project, aren't you? Why? I certainly am. There's a number of different reasons I'm in favour, but uh, if, if anyone travels on Europe, you just see how good their infrastructure is compared to ours. Now, do we want Victorian infrastructure or do we want modern infrastructure so we can compete with Europe? Um, That's one of the main issues I'm in favour. But the other issue is capacity on the main line. Everyone's fixated by the fact it's going to be, you know, 
quicker, and that's wonderful. But the other issue is capacity. And um, it's not only HS2 which will benefit, but the, main, the, West, the West Coast mainline will benefit because um, as some trains are moved onto HS2, it releases capacity um, on the West Coast mainline. And for places like Milton Keynes, where I'm from, that'll be brilliant news. I've heard arguments, Douglas, about the capacity, saying, well, it, it would be cheaper and feasible to extend the platforms and add an extra couple of carriages to the trains. Why can't we do that? Because it's not capacity on the trains, it's capacity on the tracks. And we spent millions of pounds in Milton Keynes having extra platforms, but because of the track capacity, trains aren't stopping enough in Milton Keynes. Um, so it, the issue is not the capacity on the trains, it's the capacity on the tracks. And we must have more capacity on our railways um and hs2 is one way of doing that what about the impact douglas on uh, uh, the people living alongside the route people are being forced out of their homes people whose homes have become worthless because they're just on the the cusp of the the uh, compulsory uh, buyout what about those people well i think people on, Tough? on the, i think people on the route should be given proper compensation but, but they're not we, all getting but, proper compensation, but, are they? But we would never build anything. You mentioned M1 motorway earlier. We would never build any railway, any motorway, if, if we said we can't build it because someone's individual home yeah. is going to be affected. So it's just tough? <clears throat> oh, well, we've got to look at the greater good for the country versus the impact on the individuals. And I think we, we should properly compensate the individuals, but that's not an excuse for not doing anything. Cheryl, what's your response? Uh, well, first of all, on Milton Keynes, um, I think it's very doubtful about uh, any more capacity on the tracks because some of the railway experts, for example, HS2 Action Alliance, have looked at this, and they talk about increasing the capacity in the rail paths for freight, but in fact, to sustain services to those areas that are not uh, supplied by HS2, such as Coventry, they will have to continue to, to run those trains. It is about seat numbers, according to the DFT, and uh, that can be achieved by other means, for example, lengthening carriages, getting rid of first classes we did on the Chiltern line. But as to the, the point that, uh, you know, the M1 had a people that didn't approve of it in the Channel Tunnel and we wouldn't do anything, um, I don't think that's right because the people that are saying that HS2 and spending what will turn out to be much more than 50 billion, mark my words, on this project is not a good use of taxpayers' funds. After all, all that money is borrowed. Uh, the taxpayer has to pay it back. And we think that there are better ways, including our own councils, uh, that have looked at this, 51M has looked at some really good alternatives to HS2. People have come up with looking at the old Central Railway um, and opening that up. And there are other solutions which I think the government should have been looking at in detail before committing to an enormous project that completely dwarfs anything else we've done. And quite frankly, even the capacity of the department and HS2 Limited, after all the mistakes that have been made, to deliver this project has to be called into question. Douglas? Well, I mean, we have Network Rail based in Milton Keynes, and the council talks to Network Rail often, and so they tell us that there will be increased capacity. And um, we must remember it's not just about passengers, it's about freight. And with East-West Rail... Um, due to come online as well. We really do need to improve the rail infrastructure in but the UK because, I mean, it's a joke in, 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 the, in the UK compared to Europe. 
But even Lord Barclay, who heads up the freight uh, association, has said that freight will be constrained. This is not um, this miraculous answer that some people are claiming. You, you, you would want it, wouldn't you, Douglas? Because you live in Milton Keynes, uh, and so you don't live alongside the route. So you'll only see benefits. You won't see negatives on, on um, the people who live in your area. Well, as I say, it's, I think it's a benefit for the UK as a whole. And obviously, it is going to be a, a great benefit for Milton Keynes. <clears throat> but we need to remember, I mean, there are beautiful places like Switzerland who have railways and very good railways. But, and but Douglas, again, so just to bring you back on the thing, I, I have heard on this, this show, and I'm sure Cheryl has heard many stories from people whose uh, homes have become worthless. They're just off the boundary, so they won't receive any money, but then they wouldn't be able to sell their house. People being forced out of their homes that they've lived in for generations. It, there's that human element that seems to be just being swept aside. Well, I mean, I'm talking about the principle of having modern infrastructure. Yeah, in and I'm, the I'm, UK. I'm talking and about the, the principle I'm, of people's well, homes saying, and lives being ruined. Well, I'm saying to you that I would expect those people who are impacted to be fully compensated. Some of them aren't. Sorry, I didn't hear S- that. Some of them aren't. Well, Cheryl, I'm sure you've heard stories, haven't you, of, of people yes, who's, who have been no, negatively have. impacted and, I mean, and they won't get financial... There's been some fantastic work done by Hilary Wharf, um, who is a railway expert um, at HS2 Action Alliance, and um, she estimates from looking at the government's own figures, actually I think this is from the government's own figures, that there's nearly half a million properties within a kilometre um, of HS2. Um, there is no doubt from even my caseload, there are people whose property prices and lives that have been affected by this who will ne- never co- uh, get any compensation. And I think really um, uh, what uh, your other uh, interviewee is saying is that this is a price worth paying. Well, I do not think it is a price worth paying. I think it is worth looking at what other things we can do, um, what is coming on in terms of new technology, what is possible, um, and on the commuter overcrowding. I mean, I've even um, heard from railway experts that if we stopped the Virgin trains in Milton Keynes and allowed the commuters to get off at peak times, that would help. Um, But that doesn't currently happen at the moment. Douglas, last 30 seconds to you. Well, I just think we need to either be in the Victorian era or the modern era, and we need to move forward with modern infrastructure. I appreciate both your time this morning. Thank you. Last voice you heard there, uh, uh, Lib Dem leader of Milton Keynes Council, Douglas McCall. And the other voice was the Tory MP for Chesham and Amersham, Cheryl Gillam. Well, you've heard their arguments. I'm sure you're... Uh, possibly it swayed some of you. I'm sure you're pretty set in your thoughts. What do you think? Good thing, bad thing. Simple question. HS2, good idea, bad idea. 08459 555. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. It's a quarter past seven. Let's get the travel now with Alice. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Thanks very much. Good morning. The M1 London bound, there's been an accident at Junction 7, which was involving three cars. That's now been moved onto the hard shoulder, but things are slow all the way back to Junction 10 at Luton Airport. The M25 anti-clockwise is still down to two lanes between 24 for Potter's Bar and 23 for South Mims. It's after an accident involving two lorries. Queues are still back to 27 for the M11 there. Also anti-clockwise, there's a lane close between Junction 17 for Maple Cross and 16 for the M40. That's slow back to Junction 18 for Chor. Wood. In Brickett Wood, the North Orbital is very slow at the M2521A roundabout there. And on the Treblick Transport, there are no reported problems. This is Alice Glossop, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much, Alice. 
7.16. It's Thursday the 31st of October. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. The Conservative MP for Chesham and Amersham, Cheryl Gillan, has told me this morning that HS2 is not good value for money and won't bring the benefits to the economy that the government expects. Details of a proposed review of competition in the energy sector will be announced later this morning. And in sport, England's cricketers are playing a Western Australia chairman's 11 in Perth in a warm-up match ahead of the Ashes. The weather today, cloudy start this morning with outbreaks of rain. Drier conditions will follow in the afternoon. Coming up, poppies. How much is enough to pay for a poppy? BBC Three Counties Radio. Roberto Peroni. I can bring you now some good news for women. What do you look like in a pair of Speedos or swimming trunks? A pumpkin had been stolen from outside a hairdresser's salon. We've had lots of support since your programme. Lots of phone calls telling us not to worry and everyone's looking out for them. What could I do to bring a smile to Dame Kelly Holmes's face? <laughs> do you know what that sound is? I do. They're alpacas. <laughs> I've got six alpacas. They're lovely. Everyone takes the mickey. Roberto Peroni. Weekdays from three on BBC Three Counties Radio. So I will get a poppy. Um, probably a red one. Simply because I don't think I necessarily have the courage to wear a white one. Because people do give you a funny look. I'm not huge on making political statements. So I probably will get a poppy. And if I do get one, I'll put a quid in. I'll put a quid. Is that a bit tight? Have you got your poppy yet? How much did you pay for it? Is a quid a bit tight? I don't know. It it seems adequate to me. Listen, we're all struggling, aren't we, at the moment? 08459 455 555 is the telephone number. How much would you pay for a poppy? Now, uh, it's uh, a little bit early, some might say. It was the 31st, I I kind of the beginning of November, the first weekend of November. But uh, the Poppy Appeal launched last Thursday, a week ago. I've not seen many vendors on the street. Is there a lack of vendors, a lack of support? Well, Justin Dealey has been out and about getting your views. Justin, are you wearing a poppy yet? Uh, not yet, no, because i tell you why, Ian. I haven't actually seen any sellers so far. Right. A bit like yourself. I've not seen one. So I've that's seen why the, I haven't got a poppy. I've seen poppies on the counter uh, in a couple of shops. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I've not seen anybody in the street. Yeah, not yet. Um, some interesting views coming up in this report about the younger generation. But I started by asking people, what's a fair price to pay for a poppy? And here's what people had to say. Well, I think a pound's a fair price. Then people give the lives of the, this country. And the unfortunate part about it is half of them don't appreciate it. Let's face it, most of them are... They haven't got a clue what it's all about, anyhow, what poppies are for. When you say most of them, um, who are you talking about there? Well, the younger elements, they couldn't care less. A minimum of a pound, and mm. the pensioner, I would like to give more, but mm. a minimum of a pound, I would have thought, for every person in this country, would be, excluding the children, I would say about £40 million alone. If every adult gave a pound, surely they can afford a pound. Well, Catherine, you're wearing your poppy already. We Just are. how much does it mean to you to be wearing that poppy? Well, a lot. We owe our lives, everything to these people. They gave their lives for us. It's about time some of these youngsters realised that. So what do you think is a fair price? What do you think people should be paying for a poppy? Well, I reckon you should give a couple of pounds at least. It's not hurting you. They'll only blow it up the wall or <laughs> down the drain. And people that don't wear them, do these people make you angry? 
Yeah, they do actually, because um, some people, you know, say, what are you wearing that thing for? Who says that to you? Well, lots of people do, lots of youngsters. What are you wearing that thing for? How old are we talking about here that are saying, what are you wearing oh, that you've for? Got, you've got 16. So people that are old 20s. enough to know better? Yes. And when they're saying these things to you, somebody who feels very passionate and you're wearing that with pride, how does that make you feel when you're hearing that? Well, I feel hurt, actually. Really hurt that the younger generations has got no respect for the older generation. Jeff, what do you think is a fair price to pay for a popper? You've already got yours. What, what do you think is a fair price to pay for one? Well, I'd, I'd certainly say an, a nominal pound, really, mm. really. People haven't got... A, a mental picture of what it was like in those days. It was long before mine, but my father was uh, in the uh, First World War. I mean, it was a very a terrible war. In many ways, it was worse than the last one because they spent their time in to their necks in mud nearly and things like that. I mean, my father was in the RAMC and he had to go out and pick up the pieces of the bodies. I mean, bearing in mind what you just told me about your father, which yeah. sounds absolutely horrific, mm. what's your thoughts on those people that, that never go out and buy a poppy and never remember? Well, I'm, I'm sad about it, really, more than anything. Well, I, I don't think they've got the imagination of it. I mean, we didn't have the television and all the things to make it quite as dramatic as we have things today yeah. which happen interesting views there justin mm. people in terms of price people saying a minimum of a quid two quid yep uh, but also a lot of the uh, older generation they w- were all slightly older people saying that young people don't get poppies absolutely i mean if you believe the people in that report they're saying they have no understanding they have absolutely no respect whatsoever i will be talking to the younger generation this morning you'll hear some of those views a bit later but but your listeners this morning do they agree with the people in that piece that the younger generation simply don't get it and they do have absolutely no respect justin well, let's put that out there thank you very much indeed oh eight four five nine four double five five double five I'm joined now by Ro Haggard, who is a Bedfordshire County member of the Royal British Legion. Uh, morning, Ro. What do you think of that? Uh, were those people correct about what they said about the younger generation? Well, all of the schools these days do get a school pack with a DVD in it, sent from the Royal British Legion headquarters, and it asks if they will show it to um, a school assembly. But I've been on Poppy Appeal collecting for the last five days, and it's half-term week, and so many younger people do come up, and they do ask, can they have a poppy? Now, first of all, you do not buy a poppy, you donate. Last year, the, the donations amounted to £37 million, which was slightly down on two years previous, when it was our 90th anniversary, when we nearly hit the £40 million mark. We spoke earlier on, uh, Ro, to the organisation which sells the white poppies. Have a quick listen to this. But one of the problems, I suppose, with, with red poppies for some of us is, is that it is seen as something all-embracing and national and neutral, while for many people it's not a neutral symbol. It is a highly loaded political symbol, the red, pop, the, the red poppy. People may well wear red poppies for many different reasons, and some of them may be quite creditable reasons, but it is nevertheless a political symbol. It's a political symbol, according to that gentleman there, Ro. What, what do you make of that? Oh, he's... He's entirely wrong. Um, the poppy came about as a result of Colonel John McRae writing the famous poem In Flanders Fields, The Poppies Blow Between the Crosses, Row on Row. And in 1921, the British Legion, as it was then, took up the poppy as their, as their symbol, and we began to fundraise 
to take care of the welfare and the custodian of remembrance of this country. Now, we have lost a service person every year since 1945 except one, and that was in 1968 as a result of the conflict. We literally look after thousands and thousands of ex-service people and their, de their dependents. For instance, last year, we gave out 25,000 grants to people uh, that needed help. We, we, we sent away uh, eight, almost 9,000 people on holiday breaks, whether it was a respite care break or a holiday break for the young children whose fathers were serving abroad. Uh, we do a fantastic job. How are sales going so far this year? The campaign, I believe, has been up for a week. Do, any idea on the figures so far? It started last Saturday. And, right. uh, up to last night, my, my very small branch in North Bedfordshire, we're slightly up on last year. OK. Uh, and finally, Ro, it's a donation. You're not buying it. What would you suggest the appropriate donation is? Whatever you can afford. Whatever you can afford. If it's a few pence or if it's a £20 note, we don't mind. It's what we do have. We do have some nice merchandise on the on the stall. Um, bracelets and uh, wristbands and enamel pins with dates on. And we do ask for a minimum of £2 for those. For those. Ro, I appreciate your time and the work you're doing. Thank you. Ro Haggerwood, Bedfordshire County Member of the Royal British Legion. How much do you pay? for a poppy and do you agree with the the people we just heard there in justin's piece that younger people and i guess you know sort of from 15 to what 25 28 30 they don't know what it's all about you don't see them wearing poppies what do you think oh eight four five nine four double five five double five hazel's in welland hazel what's the appropriate amount to pay for a poppy um well i donate 20 pounds and i've got an enamel brooch which i wear every year so I don't take a poppy, but I do put £20 in the collecting tin. Do you put that in every year? Yes. That seems um, uh, uh, rather a lot of money, Hazel. Why, why do you feel the need to give that much money? Because um, I was a child during the last war, and a lot of my friends, their fathers didn't come back from the war. And um, none of us had much money, but they had even less than the rest of us. And um, I know that there are still children being orphaned um, all, all the time from soldiers who are dying. And I just feel that I, I'm a pensioner, so I don't get an awful lot of money. But I put in £20 and I put £20 in Help the Heroes as well. If someone puts in a quid for a poppy, is that acceptable? If that's all they can afford, yes. I don't know if you heard the, the piece that Justin Dealey uh, recorded where he was speaking to people of a, a slightly older generation who said that they don't see young people, people in their teens and their 20s wearing poppies, they don't get it. W would you agree with that, Hazel? Um, I think probably um, some um, don't get it, but a lot of them are actually taken on school trips to the... Um, <coughs> oh, sorry. To the uh, cemeteries abroad where the... Do uh, the um, soldiers are buried, and I think they get it. And um, but I don't think all children do that. But I think they do. Some do, and some don't. Hazel, I appreciate your call this morning. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. She puts in twenty quid. Twenty quid. Well, good for her. Okay, l l confession time. I put in a quid. Right. I could afford more than a quid. 
I could afford more than a pound. Am I, by putting in a pound, when I could afford more, am I being tight and disrespectful? 08459 455 555. I can afford more than a quid. I put in a quid. Am I tight and disrespectful? Give us a call. Let me know your thoughts. Also go to facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. I'm uh, being told by members of my team that I am being uh, t- uh, a bit tight. Thank you very much for that, Kelly. Let's get your views on that, dear listener. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. On the M25, there are now severe delays going anti-clockwise because it's down to two lanes between 24 for Potter's Bar and 23 for South Mims. There's recovery work going on after an accident involving two lorries. Queues are back to just before Junction 27 for the M11 and it's taking over an hour and a half to get through. Also anti-clockwise on the M11, one lane is closed between Junction 17 for Maple Cross and 16 for the M40 after an earlier breakdown. There's recovery work going on there too now. Um, that's slow from Junction 20 for King Langley. Had a call from Louisa on the M1 London bound. There's an accident at Junction 7 involving three cars which has been moved onto the hard shoulder but that's still looking slow back from Junction 10 for Luton Airport. The A1M southbound is slow around Junction 7 for Stevenage and on the public transport there are no reported problems. This is Alice Gossip for BBC Three Counties Radio. On the subject of uh, poppies, we've just had a tweet. I, use, I just used my poppy from last year. I've had the same one for seven years now. Only paid 50 pence for it. Very good value. 08459 455 555. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. It's half past seven, I'm Barry Caffrey. The headlines, the Conservative MP for Chesham and Amersham, Cheryl Gillan, has told Ian Lee that HS2 is not good value for money and won't bring the benefits to the economy that the government expects. MPs are voting today on whether to give the government permission to spend around £40 billion on the controversial project that would cut through Buckinghamshire. The Energy Secretary, Ed Davey, is to announce details of a proposed new review of competition in the energy sector later today. Ministers are under pressure to intervene following inflation-busting price increases from some of the biggest suppliers. It's been suggested that too many patients are being admitted as hospital emergencies in England. The National Audit Office says at least a fifth of last year's emergency admissions could have been managed out of hospital. And university lecturers at colleges across Beds, Hearts and Bucks are expected to take part in a national one-day strike later today over pay. Picket lines are expected at the Luton and Bedford sites of the University of Bedfordshire, as well as at the University of Hertfordshire and the Open University. And the weather, it'll be a dry morning with some hazy sunshine. It'll stay dry for most places this afternoon, but there may be a few spots of rain from any thicker cloud around. Maximum temperatures of 13 degrees Celsius. That's 55 degrees Fahrenheit. Three Counties Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. Tottenham have reached the quarterfinals of the League Cup after beating Hull City on penalties. Spurs came from 2-1 behind in extra time to draw 2-all and forced the shootout, which they then went on to win 8-7. Andre Villas-Boas was delighted to see his side finally win a penalty shootout after losing their previous seven attempts. 
Also for myself, I've lost a couple in the cup against Academic and, uh, and we suffered in Basel last season. And, uh, you know, the most uh, ironic thing is that we, we didn't train this time for penalties and all of them were slotted perfectly. <laughs> and, uh, and against Basel, we trained and trained and, uh, and ended up uh, missing all uh, three of them. So uh, it, was, it was great for the players to enjoy this victory and, and break that voodoo as well. Newcastle's hopes of winning the League Cup are over for another season after they were beaten 2-0 in extra time by Manchester City. The Newcastle manager Alan Pardew says their fourth round defeat is hard to take. The last four performances I think have been strong but we've uh, we've only taken one point and uh, got knocked out of the cup in that period and that's hard to take I think. I couldn't have asked more from the players tonight. They carried the game plan through to the letter and uh, we just didn't get a break when we perhaps needed one. Queen's Park Rangers missed out on the chance to move back into second place in the championship after they drew 0-0 with Wigan. England's cricketers are playing a Western Australia chairman's 11 in Perth in a warm-up match ahead of the Ashes. Western Australia are batting and a short time ago they reached 168 for one. And play is underway on day one of the World Golf Championships event in Shanghai. Rory McIlroy currently leads the field. He's six under par after 15 holes. BBC Three Counties News and Sport. I'll have a full bulletin at eight. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. Well... We are getting some very, very powerful emails this morning. A cracking one about Halloween. We're going to try and get the... Jennifer, you email me about Halloween. We're going to try and get you on the line. You've included your phone number, so I'm hoping that means you'll be happy to come on. On the subject of poppies, we spoke earlier on in the show to a gentleman whose name was Albert Beale. He was from the Peace Pledge Union. It's the organisation behind the white white poppy, and he thinks that uh, uh, the red poppy is loaded with a political message and that if members of the military wear it, they're being hypocritical. Had an email from Steve uh, in Bedford. Ian, it's no wonder that there are so few who understand the history of the poppy. Our nation has been brainwashed into believing the Holocaust was the worst thing that has ever happened, blinding people as to the horrors our soldiers suffered in the First World War. As for Albert the gentleman from the uh, uh, the Peace Pledge Union, a pacifist organisation. As for H- Albert, Steve says, I hope people spit at him when he is in public. I hope people spit at him when he is in public. What do you think? 08459 Brian's in High Wycombe. Morning, Brian. Yeah, good morning. Brian, I, what's, what's your take on this? Well, I was a little minded on the subject because I, my father fought in the trenches... He volunteered at 18 in the First World War. I was conscripted in the, when I was 18 and uh, only saw front-line duty once with orders due to, uh, uh, orders to kill if necessary, but um, that was in the canal zone. But uh, So it's luck whether we get called to serve the country or not. I felt, well, I don't need a poppy to remember these things, but uh, then I turned up a certificate my mother had after the First World War, well, uh, when I was young, uh, a certificate for selling uh, poppies for many years. And I thought, well, if my mother said, you know, perhaps I should buy a poppy. But uh, I feel it's remembering, you know, that uh, if we're called to serve, then uh, 
we do our duty. There are some people, Brian, who would suggest that by you not wearing a poppy, A, you're not contributing financially to uh, the, the families and uh, those still serving, but also th- you aren't showing the correct respects. What would your reaction be to those well, criticisms? Really show that. I mean, like the lady earlier, I mean, I can certainly donate... Uh, without having to show, oh, look, to say, well, I've, I've donated. But, uh, yeah, I can see your point, and I think after listening to more people, I might uh, come down more, probably on the uh, side of the fence, to buy a poppy, yes. Brian, keep listening, because later in the, in the show, we're going to have a, a colonel coming in who is a, a, a very passionate character, I think. He came in last year. It didn't go very well, to be honest, Let's see how it goes today. But he's very passionate that the belief that everyone should wear a poppy. We we're talking as well about younger people not wearing poppies. That's the criticism from some people that Justin spoke to. Becky's in Luton. Morning, Becky. Good morning. What, what do you think about this? Oh, my son will be 17 in December. Um, he has worn a poppy since he was five years old, every single year. He knows full well why he wears a poppy. It is his choice to wear it. If it's getting close to the day and I haven't got round to getting them, he actually says, have you got the poppies yet, Mum? And for the past five years, he's actually brought his own poppy and puts his own donation in out of his allowance money that he gets. So when you hear the criticism... Um, from some of the people that Justin Dealey was speaking to earlier on, uh, that young people don't, that you, they don't see them wearing the poppy, they have no respect, they don't know, you know, the sacrifices that were made. What would you say to those people, Becky? It just makes me so, so cross. If it's not one thing that young people are being maligned for, it's something else. In my experience, my son and the group of, pe- of young men and ladies that he goes around with and is social with, they're all very respectful, they're very helpful, they're kind, they're caring, and they all wear poppies. And not just one day a year are they respectful and kind. They open doors for the older... No, I, he, now you're making no, it, this up, Becky. He's 17. It does. Really? Yes. But hang yes. on, I've read the Daily Mail and the Daily Express. Your son is is a an Alco Pops drinking hoodlum, <laughs> surely? My son is certainly not anything like that at all, and Nora, his friends. What's the going rate for a poppy, Becky? I think it's down to your own personal conscience. Personally, I can afford to put a couple of quid in, so that's what I do. See, I put a pound in, and I'm, I'm questioning myself a little bit. I put a pound in, <laughs> I can afford to put more in. Am I tight and disrespectful? Be honest... Um, if your conscience tells you that a pound is tight and disrespectful, then you should put a little bit more in. Mm. Becky, I appreciate that, and well done on, on bringing up such a good lad. Good work. Chris is in Farley. Morning, uh, Farley Hill. Morning, Chris. Well, I, basically, I'm putting one week's pension, £195 in in November. I'll tell you why, yeah? Go on, tell me, yeah. I was on low-rate DLO. I was in uh, a boost centre. Forget what it was, drinking... Uh, now I'm back on middle rate, which goes from 20 to £195 per month. Yes. So I've agreed with my ex-wife, whose father was a uh, navigator in the RAF and got polio in India. For his, he just died of a heart attack, basically. 
And I think if they wear white poppy in a ceremony, that we, we've lost the last first World War one, and we're losing the second World War one quickly now. So do you think, Chris, that the the white poppy is disrespectful? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Why? Because it, it's still commemorating well, yeah, those that have suffered, but it's, it's saying we don't want any more war, which is a good message, isn't can it? I, can I go back to my father-in-law? Yeah. He had a friend who went camping with in Italy. He a German. He owned a chain of chemist shops. Oh. So. They met on holiday, and the soldiers don't want to win them, it's government want to win them all, not the soldiers. It's, it's powers of my... Nobody wins them all, do they? Well, no, the well, Germans that's a made the very best profound tanks, message. The, the best tanks, the best... I, I was a, they made the best tools, you see. It wasn't the man... It was you go or I go. It wasn't a matter of... Politics, you know, somebody's got to win, but nobody wins. Chris, thank you very much indeed. Well, there's, there's a very profound statement, isn't there? No one wins in war. But the white poppy, is it disrespectful? There's so many questions around this. We could do the whole show about this. Is it disrespectful? Because the, the gentleman we spoke to, Albert Beale, from the Peace Pledge Union, the uh, organisation behind the white poppy, says it's to remember those that have fallen uh, and it's to remember those that, 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 that have been injured, but it's also saying we don't want any more war. Now, you may consider that to be a slightly hippie sixth form um, uh, point of view, but it would be nice if there was no more war, wouldn't there? So is that message of, yes, we're remembering those who have fallen, but we don't want any more war, is that disrespectful? 08459 four double five five double five. Helen's in Luton. Good morning, Helen. Oh, Helen? We'll come to Helen in a second. She's dropped off. Can I just put out a, a personal plea? Uh, Jennifer has sent me... Jennifer Hartman, you've sent me some cracking emails this morning. We would love to get you on the show. You've, uh, you've left your phone number and we've left a message for you. I've just replied to you as well on email. Your email, particularly about Halloween, uh, I think is a very interesting uh, point. And we'd love to get you on the show to talk about it. I mean, I- I'll read it out in a bit, but I just think it would be better coming from you, Jennifer. So do, if you're listening, do give me a call, 08... Four five nine four double five five double five. Lots of you having your say on Facebook as well. Let's uh, read some of these comments. Uh, poppy sale, poppy sellers in the Arndale Centre says Rosette. I took two and gave a donation of a fiver. Uh, Lisa I th- uh, says I think it's extremely unfair to say that young people who don't wear a poppy are disrespectful. I think some of them are probably just ignorant and some indifferent to the occasion. And as for putting on a price on a poppy, you should give what you can. Really, I should give what I can. I put a quid in. I could afford more. Is that tight? Is that disrespectful? We've got Helen in Luton back. Morning, Helen. Morning. Helen, what do you think about the, the idea that young people don't buy poppies and they don't, they don't know what it's all about? Oh, they sure do. Tell all me why. three of my girls, and my youngest is 16 tomorrow, will buy a poppy, they will wear their poppies with pride, and my 16-year-old has actually bought herself one of the little pin badges this year because she always she has, she always loses her poppy. And, in fact, she is actually going with her school to the Stopsy War Memorial on the 11th to take part in the um, remembrance service that they hold there. So you think that, that, that young people, they are educated and they do know what it's about? If their parents educate them, and my children have been told what Remembrance Day is all about. Helen, thank you. We're going to leave you there just because it's not the greatest line, but thank you very much indeed. Uh, Jennifer has just emailed. She's not very well today, so she can't come on. So I shall read her email out. It's about Halloween, OK? 
Have a listen to this. She's got very strong views on Halloween. And we do kind of treat it, don't we, as a little flippant. Oh, it's just kids going out dressed up as witches and uh, little devils and they're collecting fun-sized Mars bars. You know, all this kind of stuff. Are we being too flippant? This is uh, uh, what Jennifer says. Ian, it bothers me that some parents think it's a good thing to introduce their children to devil worship. Are they crazy? It seems to me that more people in the UK believe in vampires rather than God. Then she goes on to explain why this may be the case. It must be the skunk weed, drugs and booze that are changing people's brains more than they realise. Well, is Jennifer right? Not about necessarily about the skunk weed, drugs and booze, although you can come in and talk about that as well, but that we are introducing children to devil worship... I know there'd be, listen, I've done this before in another life uh, on another radio station and lots of um, uh, people called up and say, yeah, no, it's, it's devil worship. It's insane. Why are, we, why are we promoting this evil nonsense? Halloween, bit of fun or devil worship? 08459 455 555. Getting so many phone calls this morning. Got some. Qu- what, 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 I mean, if I'm honest, the, the poppies and the, the Halloween, cracking stuff to talk about. We, what a gift to have both of these today. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Maybe we can send Justin out before the end of the show as well to ask if there's anything wrong with Halloween. Seven forty five, BBC Three Counties Radio. Let's get the latest travel news now. Here's Alice Glossop. Travel news for beds, cards, and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Thanks very much. Those problems on the M25 anti-clockwise are still very severe. It's down to two lanes between Junction 24 for Potter's Bar and 23 for South Mims. There's still recovery work going on there after an earlier accident. Queues are now back to Junction 28 for the Brook Street roundabout and it's taking over an hour and a half to get through. Also anti-clockwise, one lane is closed between Junction 17 for Maple Cross and 16 for the M40. After an earlier breakdown, things are slow from Junction 20 for Kings Langley. On the M1 London bound, there was an earlier accident involving three cars at Junction 7. That's now been moved on to the hard shoulder, but things are still looking slow back from Junction 10 Luton Airport. The A1M southbound is slow at Junction 7 for Stevenage, and Broadhall Way is also slow in both directions between the football ground and the A1M there. On the public transport, there are no reported problems. I'm Alice Glossop, BBC Three Counties Radio. Alice, thank you very much indeed. 7.46. It's uh, Thursday the 31st of October. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. MPs are voting today on whether to give the government permission to spend about £40 billion on the controversial HS2 project that would cut through Buckinghamshire. David Cameron is to announce plans to crack down on tax evasion by publishing the details of where the profits of UK companies are sent. And in sport, Tottenham and Manchester City have both reached the quarter-finals of the League Cup. You want to give me a call? 08459 455 555. Karen has just sent in an email regarding uh, I pay a pound for poppies. I could afford to pay more. Karen says, I do not think you're tight, Ian. You give what you can afford. I can afford to give more. I support other worthwhile charities, and we also have to financially support our daughter at university. She has limited funds, and we need to make sure she eats too. Give whatever you can, however small. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Let's get the weather now. Here's Elizabeth Rizzini. Beds, hearts, and bucks. Weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Hello. Uh, 
very good morning to you. It's not terribly nice outside. We've got some outbreaks of light rain and drizzle for the rest of the morning, really. Um, but then it will be a drier, brighter afternoon, um, brightening up towards western areas first, say Buckinghamshire, seeing uh, lots of nice brightness, I think, through the late morning, um, well into the afternoon there, um, and staying dampest for longest over parts of Hertfordshire. But even here, I think we'll see a pretty nice afternoon. So some good spells of brightness, some hazy sunshine. Um, we might just see a few light showers around, so the wet weather never too far away. Don't go out without the umbrella today. The breeze will pick up slightly into the afternoon and um, in the best of the brightness, we're looking at temperatures on a par with yesterday, up to 13 or 14 degrees, 57 in Fahrenheit. For this evening, for the trick-or-treaters, then it's going to be quite cloudy, quite damp. We might just see a few outbreaks of drizzle, so put the Mac on with your mask if you like. Um, but I think for the most part, it should be dry, particularly towards the northern areas of the three counties. It is going to be a little bit breezier. It won't be too cold. Temperatures dropping overnight down, down to between 7 and 10 degrees. There are going to be further outbreaks of light rain through tomorrow morning. That rain likely to turn heavy and persistent as we head into the late afternoon and into the evening too. In fact, there's a Met Office warning out for some heavy rain. Our focus turns to the winds on Saturday. I'm afraid it's going to turn really quite windy once more, but not as windy as it was on Monday. Is it going to be windy where you live, Elizabeth, at the weekend? Yes. Is it going to be windy in your house? Yes. Yeah, so you, you're going to have wind all weekend, are you? <laughs> I'm not going to have wind. Oh! It will be windy. I didn't mean that, cheeky! I did mean that. It's coming to towns and villages across beds, hearts and bucks. Hearts and bucks. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Now on yesterday's program, I had a chat with a caller called Robert, who's uh, caught in a bit of a trap. He's struggling to afford enough to eat once his bills are paid. He lives alone, and uh, well, he, he felt pretty rotten and feels there's not much point in carrying on. The response that we got from you after that call made it quite clear that Robert isn't the only one feeling this way. But many people, especially, this is a slight generalisation, but I think it holds true, especially middle-aged blokes, decide not to admit that they're struggling. Because, you know, hey, we're blokes, we should be able to sort ourselves out, shouldn't we? Well, Simon Howes is from Calm, the campaign against living miserably. Does this sound familiar to you, Simon? Sadly, all too familiar. Yes, it's uh, something that we are seeing a lot of phone calls to the helpline that we provide, um, and we are seeing a, a lot of men who are struggling in life, and unfortunately, 77% of all the suicides that we have in the UK, that's over 4,600 last year, were male. What kind of stories are you hearing, people? When, Simon get, uh, Simon, when people get in touch, what are they saying to you? Well, um, I think there's a number of things. I mean, it's very interesting, uh, and I, I've, this has come up in a number of things I've done, where when we talk about the, the men struggling, that we talk, you use that word admit, we, we admit to struggling. And it's very interesting, isn't it, how we kind of, that word's all linked with shame. Mm. Um, and I think, you know, there's a lot of things that are going on in people's lives in terms of redundancies, um, you know, and, and unemployment. Um, food banks is something we see in the paper a lot, and certainly something that's affecting a lot of people, male and female. Um, but there's, that, again, that thing about shame for men, I think. Um, the uh, going to the GP or not going to see the GP or what level of help they do get if they, if they do ask for help um, how they're responded to uh, and I think also you know use of alcohol you know that kind of coping mechanism I mean there's some really fascinating research that shows that for men there's kind of three things there's this idea of being a fighter or a winner uh, a protector and a provider and that you have a certain level of control over your life, that you, you know, you're in control, you're, you're succeeding, you're winning, and that you're able to provide for other people, whether that's family or whoever, 
And when those things are taken away from you, particularly if you lose jobs or your, your relationship breakdown, those kind of things, there's a real sense that you've failed as a man, which isn't true, but that's how it feels. How do you, as, as uh, an organisation, Simon, reach out to those people who can't admit or won't admit they've got a problem? Well, we, we work very hard to kind of, um, I think, challenge society and those kinds of unspoken rules about, you know, what we expect men to be, because they're really very unhelpful. <clears throat> if we think back to the sort of 70s and 80s, you know, for, for the feminist movement, women really did redefined who they were, and they said, actually, there isn't this ideal woman that, that's, you know, but domestic goddess and has children and does all X, Y, and Z. Actually, we can be engineers, we can be architects, we can be mothers, we can be princesses, we can be um, play rugby, we can do whatever we want, thank you very much. And that kind of stereotype has been broken down a great deal, but for men, it's very much to a, a straight jacket. And so we're challenging society to say, look, you know what, we need to stop giving these messages to men that they have to conform to this ideal. Um, and then we're out and about in the communities where we work, um, promoting our helpline, our tech service, and our website. We have posters in kebab shops, in hairdressers. Um, we work with nightclubs, um, a whole range of things where men are, where they're doing their thing and where they're kind of occupying their space. We're in there as well, talking to them and promoting ourselves. Go and get a pen and paper to this next. We'll give out those details uh, in, in just a couple of minutes. What practical uh, help can you offer, Simon? Well, we have uh, our helpline is free, confidential, anonymous, so it is a really ideal option for a guy who wants to kind of get something off their chest because they don't have to register or log in or kind of give any details over. So they really can just, just vent and maybe get some space to think things through. And that is a really important point, actually, that, uh, as we know, you know, there's an old joke in there, the girls go to the toilets in twos, and, and, and this whole idea that women kind of club, club together, and often men don't do that. And there's lots of scientific research to show that it's really healthy to, do, to have friends that you can speak to and be honest with and meet regularly. Um, and unfortunately, things like all the pubs that have closed in the local community, again, has, has challenged that, really. So we give men those sort of, sorts of spaces, really, to get things off their chest and get ideas of other options and things that are available to them, maybe locally or nationally, that they could turn to. Um, and I think we also, our website is full of other people's stories as well as lots of other things. And I think they're really popular because men actually read that and realise that, crikey, somebody else has been where I've been mm. and, and they've come through it. And I think this is the thing is, Often there's men all around you that are going through a similar thing or have come through it out the other side and have, you know, understanding or in, insight. But because we bottle it up and we don't talk about it, then we all think we're on our own. Yes, the identification is uh, um, uh, an important thing in, in something like this. Uh, Simon, what, what are the contact details? If people are listening and thinking, well, you, you, maybe I'll have a little chat, w w how can they get in touch? Yep, uh, they can phone our helpline, which is 0800 585858. That's our national number. Uh, and that's open from 5pm till midnight every night of the year. Um, and uh, as I say, it's free, confidential and anonymous. Or they can check out our website and the other details of what we do, which is www.thecalmzone.net. Excellent. Simon, I appreciate you coming on uh, this morning. That's uh, Simon Howes from Calm, the campaign against living miserably. So he's raw... Oh, that's the wrong button. I'm trying to be smooth there, look. Call 08459 455... BBC Three Counties Radio. No apologies for that. That was that was uh, inappropriate. I'm d my computer's gone all to cock this morning. It's it's not doing anything I want it to do. I'm trying to get Facebook back up so I can read some of your poppy comments. 
Um, but uh, th- is it going to work? You, you would think. The BBC, listen, the amount of money they've been creaming off the top recently in terms of payouts and things like that, you'd think some of it could come my way and get me a decent computer in the studio. Come on, guys, for goodness sakes. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR if you want to have your say. We're asking this morning about poppies. Have you got one? Um, how much do you pay for it? And uh, I, I pay a quid. I can afford more. Am I tight? Am I disrespectful? Um, and Marisa, stop slagging off young people. This was another thing. Um, Justin Dealey spoke to some older people who said uh, younger people were a little bit disrespectful and didn't know what it was about. I'm 22. I've never met a single person of my age who didn't know what a poppy was or didn't wear one or didn't respect the reasons for wearing it. Even when I was younger, this wasn't true. I would have started wearing one, but I haven't yet seen a poppy seller this year. Older people love to slag off the younger generation, but they forget who it is that teaches us about our history and how we came to be where we are today. There's, some, there's something, there's, I've, got, I've got an idea bubbling, I can't quite work out how to do it without sounding like, you know, really naff like Simon May or something, but there's something in, in, in older people versus younger people, I don't mean in a, in a competition, there's, well a fight it could be, yes, I don't know, but there's something in getting an older person and a younger person on. We'll think of it. There's an idea in the back of my head. Sharon says, I know lots of young people who wear their poppies and will be taking part in Remembrance Sunday parades and service. Um, And Rupert says, I don't have a poppy yet. We had sellers uh, coming to the door in our village. I like to find a seller who is a war veteran and tell him or her how much I appreciate what they did for our country. I plan on uh, spending a fiver. Final one from Giles. This is quite long, so let's quickly get through this. I didn't realise the poppies were available yet. I usually get one about a week before Remembrance Sunday, but we'll pick one up today. I did, however, want to say wearing a poppy is a person's own individual choice as to whether they want to or not. I'm fed up every year reading in the press how some celebrities are publicly shamed for not choosing Choosing to wear one, and the general public who do not buy one are given the guilt treatment and views of disgust by some people. Everyone has differing opinions on the subject and should be respected for that. My opinion is the British Legion do an amazing, amazing job and should be supported fully. Well, we'll be speaking to uh, a colonel who um, represents the British Legion a little bit later on. Last time he came in about a year ago, it was um, how can I describe this? Feisty, frosty, tense. He's coming back in. He wears his tents. He'll be on the phone a little bit later on, uh, telling us why it is important to uh, buy and wear a poppy. And I'll be asking him, me giving a quid, is that disrespectful at all? I remember uh, last year he um, strong-armed, is that too strong a word? He encouraged Sophie Solaria to uh, uh, to buy a poppy when she... Um, was it you, Was it you as well, Kelly? Yeah, he... He, I walked past without a poppy, yeah. and he asked why I hadn't worn a poppy, why I, was, why I wasn't wearing one. Yeah. But it was because I hadn't bought one yet. And did you buy one off him? Yes. And how much did you give? I think a pound. Did he say that was tight? No. Okay. Well, but maybe we need more people like that. Some, some might consider that pushy. Some might think, well, no, good on him. Fair play, he's trying to raise money for the wounded and the fallen. BBC Three Counties Radio, let's get the travel news now. Here's Alice Glosser. <laughs> No, it's not. Hang on a second. Alice, don't worry. That, that was my fault. Stay there. Hang on. I can fix this. I can fix this. No one's going to notice anything. Let's move that there. Going to move that there. Bish, bash, bosh. Here we go. Right. Let's try again. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
Thanks very much. On the M25 going anti-clockwise, still severe delays where we're down to two lanes between 24 for Potter's Bar and 23 for South Mims. Queues back to 28 Brook Street Roundabout and it's taking over an hour and a half to get through. One lane is closed between Junction 17 Maple Cross and 16 for the M40, which is slow to Junction 20 for Kings Lanley. And one London bound, there's been an accident and it's slow back to Toddington Services. The accident is at Junction 7. Uh, the travel time there is over half an hour. This is Alice Glossop, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much, Alice. No one noticed the little mix up there, I don't think. Poppies. How much should we pay for them? And also, Halloween. Are we encourage our children to believe in the devil? Local and vocal across beds, hearts, and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. It's 8 o'clock, I'm Barry Caffrey. The headlines, decision to spend more money on high-speed rail through Buckinghamshire to be made, university lecturers to strike over pay and hospitals admit too many patients as emergencies. BBC Three Counties Radio. MPs will vote today on draft legislation allowing the groundwork to be laid for the controversial High Speed 2 rail line that would run through parts of Buckinghamshire. The bill is expected to be approved, although some Conservatives are likely to vote against the plans. Cheryl Gillen is the Conservative MP for Chesham and Amersham. She says HS2 won't be worth the expense. I'm basically against it because I don't think it's good value for money. Uh, I don't think that it does what the government expects it to do in terms of connectivity. For example, it doesn't go into Heathrow, it doesn't go into um, the Channel Tunnel rail link, um, it doesn't even go into some city centres. But Douglas McCall, who's the Lib Dem leader of Milton Keynes Council, says High Speed 2 is necessary to bring the country's transport system into the 21st century. We must remember it's not just about passengers, it's about freight. And with East-West Rail um, due to come online as well, we really do need to improve the rail infrastructure in the UK because, I mean, it's a joke in, in, in in the UK compared to Europe. University lecturers at colleges across beds, hearts and books are expected to take part in a national one-day strike today over pay. This morning, picket lines are expected at both campuses of the University of Hertfordshire, as well as the Luton and Bedford sites of the University of Bedfordshire and the Open University. Buckingham New University in High Wycham will be targeted later in the day. A mother of seven from Flittick has been jailed for benefit fraud after claiming to be a single parent when her partner was living with her. The judge at Luton Crown Court acknowledged that her children would suffer but said the extent of the fraud meant custody was appropriate. More from Carol Abercrombie. Trudy Harris, who's 38 of St Nicholas Close in Flittick, was jailed for 18 weeks after receiving £37,000 in income support, housing benefit and council tax benefit, which she wasn't entitled to. The court heard that her partner was living with her and running his bouncy castle business from the home. Hospitals in England are admitting too many patients as emergencies, according to a report by the government's spending watchdog. The National Audit Office says at least a fifth of last year's emergency admissions in England could have been managed out of hospital. In sport, Tottenham have reached the quarterfinals of the League Cup after beating Hull City on penalties. Spurs came from 2-1 behind in extra time to draw 2-all and force the shootout, which they then went on to win 8-7. Meanwhile, Manchester City needed extra time to secure their 2-0 win at Newcastle. 
and the weather it'll be a dry morning with some hazy sunshine. It'll stay dry for most places this afternoon but there may be a few spots of rain from any thicker cloud around. Maximum temperatures of 13 degrees Celsius that's 55 degrees Fahrenheit. Get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. We have a little game here at BBC Three Counties Radio where we all try... I say, it's, it's just the, the breakfast crew. Breakfast crew? I think hearts still use that phrase. We try and scare the flip out of each other. And it's, it's just hiding behind doors, popping out and going boo. This has been going on for some time and it's really got... It's got quite nasty. Elaborate, that's the word. Yes, elaborate. To the point where I spent 15 minutes in the pouring rain hiding in the car park this morning to scare Kelly Bates. It was ruined by a ghostly Catherine Boyle peering out of the window. Ruined it. A waste of 15 minutes. Well, I've just come back from the lavatory, being proud of myself because I've started washing my hands after going to the toilet now, only to lose five years of my life. Good work, Kelly Betts, good work. But just be warned, your time is coming. Your time is coming. Hidden behind a door. Jumped out. Ah! Lots coming up on the show this morning, including another vote on HS2 this afternoon. It's going to be the last one until the new year. Which side of the tracks are you sitting on? The poppy appeal is up and running. Do you buy them? Is there a generational gap? And how much is the right amount to pay for a poppy? And had an email from Jennifer about Halloween saying it, it bothers me some parents think it's a good thing to introduce their children to devil worship. Are they crazy? It seems to me that more people in the UK believe in vampires rather than God. She goes on to say it must be the skunk weed, drugs and booze that are changing people's brains more than they realise. Well, Halloween, bit of fun or devil worship? Facebook, Doc. Are you, boy, the, are you getting in touch with us this morning? Never had so many Facebook emails and phone calls. I'm loving it. Keep it up, please. We'll try and squeeze you all in. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. Give us a call 08459 455 555. And you can email me directly if you want. Ian.lee at bbc.co.uk. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Justin Dealey, uh, our uh, roving reporter, got some cracking interviews earlier on with some older people who, the majority of whom said, well, you don't see youngsters wearing poppies. They have no respect. Well, Justin's been out as well speaking to younger people. We'll hear what they have to say a bit later on. But uh, in the meantime, Pat is in Stevenage. Good morning, Pat. Good morning, Ian. Pat, what would you like to say? Well, I don't know where to start. I want to talk about the poppy appeal. Go on. We still have several days to go, you know, while the appeal is in operation. Stevenage, I don't know where your um, Justin gets his information from. Does he ever come out of Luton? What time does he go off duty today? Um, I don't know. Why? What would you like from Justin? Well, tell him to come to Stevenage for a change. OK. He will find the Army cadets, the Air Force cadets, veterans of the Royal Air Force and other, um, you know, organisations within the forces. Stevenage is thriving with its poppy appeal this year. And, and lots of young people wearing them? Well, yes, it's half term, and I wish you'd been stood with me outside Costa Coffee yesterday. Oh, no. And, 
What do you mean, oh, no? Uh, what, what, uh, well, I, I was busy yesterday. I couldn't stand outside Costa Coffee, well, coffee in the cold. Up, well, I was selling my poppies from ten until four, and a lot of young people, they queue to put money in the box. How many poppies did you, did you sell, Pat? Well, I came home with my poppy tin too heavy to handle. Good for you. What's, um, what's the going rate for a poppy? I put a pound well, in. Is that fair? They give you a list. You don't buy it. You donate. Yes. So, OK, you put your one pound in. You probably lose that the next day, so you'll come and pay, uh, donate for another one. Oh. But let me just say, people do pass you by, but it doesn't make me feel uh, sad in any way. I'm a volunteer. 28 years I've been selling poppies in this town in memory of my mother who died in 86 and she was a poppy lady. Mm. So you don't you don't think any less of those that decide not to wear the poppy or indeed wear the white poppy? No, the white poppy I understand is a poppy, you know, to commemorate peace. Yes. And you haven't mentioned a blue poppy. Oh, I've not seen a blue poppy. What, well, what's that? It's a sweet lavender blue colour and I bought mine in Eastbourne <coughs> excuse me many years ago and that is a collection for animals who were in the wars of course now people take their dogs um Soldiers have their dogs with them on duty, don't they? Yes, they do. So, but, but, sorry to cut you short there. It's interesting you brought up the blue poppy. We'll talk about it a bit later on. I just need to squeeze in a couple more things. But thank you very much uh, indeed. Now, yesterday uh, we had a phone call from a gentleman called Robert. Robert was was struggling a little bit. He was um, couldn't afford food because uh, he was uh, was paying all of his bills, and he was feeling well. You were feeling pretty rotten, weren't you, Robert? I was. Yeah. How are you doing today? Well, still a bit low, but yeah. You know. Has your form come from the council about getting uh, some stuff from the food bank? No, it hasn't, no. OK, well, maybe uh, give them another day. If it's not turned up tomorrow, maybe give them a little call. Yeah. Uh, one thing I was thinking is, when was the last time you saw your doctor? About four months ago. Oh, oh, Robert, go and see you. Would you, would you be up for making another appointment and going I having would, a chat? I'm going to go and see the doctor anyway. Good. And, and do, do you feel that you can talk openly and honestly with your doctor about how you're feeling? Sometimes, but he do, sometimes I just want to rush you in and out, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, I, I do know exactly what you mean. I suggest, Robert, and this is just a suggestion, you haven't got to do this if you don't want. I suggest that, that this morning you phone up, make an appointment with the doctor, and when you go, and I know it can be tough sometimes, it can be a little bit intimidating, but go and say, do you know what, doctor, and, and tell him how you're feeling. Tell him what you told me. Mm. And, it, and if I remember correctly yesterday, you said that sometimes... Uh, when you get really low and lonely, you, um, you you sometimes wonder what the point of carrying on is, don't you? Yeah, it's, uh, it, it makes me feel like that. You know? Yeah. Would you do me a favour? I would. Mention that to the doctor. I will. Because, uh, honestly, I think once he hears that, mm. uh, I, I, I think if, he, if, he's, if he's any good, and I'm sure your doctor's great, if he's any good, he, he'll, he'll certainly listen and maybe be able to come up with a couple of things that you can try and that you can do. Mm. Yeah. But see, I, I can't see, how, who can I turn for, to for more help? This is what I need, more help. Yeah, what kind of help do you think you need? I need, you know, someone to come and see me or I go and see them or, you know, to yep. help me. You want a bit of company? Yeah. OK, right. But see, what I want to do, I want to, is there any organisations I can turn to for help or...? OK, well, what, what I suggest... And we can, we can put this out there. If there are any organisations for a 52-year-old bloke who's feeling lonely, do, do uh, send me an email, ian.lee at bbc.co.uk. Well, I, uh, in Bedford, uh, Bedfordshire, sorry. Uh, what I suggest, Robert, 
do, do give the Samaritans a call. It's not all about people wanting to jump off yeah. car parks and stuff like that. They're actually just good mm. to talk to. Yeah. And you can talk to them about anything. Yeah. Give them a call. Well, speak, I, speak to your doctor mm. and also have a word with your brother. I, I spoke to my brother last night and he said they've got their own families, you know. Oh. But I see their point. He didn't want to help? He, he, they do want to help, but they said, you know, they've got their own families to, to live, you know, like... But I said, fair enough, you know. Did you tell your brother what you told me about, well, let's be honest, feeling suicidal yeah, sometimes? Yeah, I told him that. Yeah? He, he, he agreed with me. He, he said, you know, you can't feel like that. I said, I do, that's how it makes me feel. But other people don't understand what you go through. Yeah, of course they don't. Listen, speak to your doctor, Robert. Speak to the Samaritans, and if we get any suggestions, there'll be groups around you, and I'm sure your doctor will know some groups that you could possibly yeah. go to to speak to some people. OK, thanks, Ian. Robert, listen, I'm going to give you a call off-air next week. Is that all right? All right, just, I'll get, let, Let's say maybe Tuesday or Wednesday, I'll give you a call off-air just to see if you're all right. Well, thanks, Ian. Robert, thank you very well, much thank indeed. You, Ian. It's a pleasure. Well, there you go. It's tough, isn't it? Absolutely tough. Uh, listen, uh, we've got... Uh, we're talking about the HS2 high-speed railway. We're a little bit late, but we, I think we can overrun with this a little bit, as it's quite uh, in- interesting. The, uh, H, uh, the high-speed railway from London to the north is being debated in the Commons today. Well, our political reporter, Paul Scoynes, has gone to the Chilterns this morning. Paul, you've got, you've got as much time as you need, so don't feel you have to rush this. Where are you and who are you with? Thanks, Ian. Yeah, I've come down to um, to Amersham. I'm on, up on the hill, uh, so uh, looking over the sort of area where, up until uh, only a few months ago, the the route was due to come out of that tunnel coming from London and come straight into this area, just outside of the old town. And um, I went down into the old town earlier on, which is uh, you know, it's all all of the lovely chocolate box cliches you would want. It's leafy, you know, the lovely houses and lovely uh, lovely old shops and so on, and a lovely high street. And, but it is interesting. You do get a sense that this issue has come to dominate people's feelings and people's thoughts. There's stickers in all of the windows, there's stickers in cars, this sort of train with a big red circle with a red line through the middle of it saying stop HS2, which everyone seems to be uh, demonstrating on, on, their, on their vehicles. It's very, it's, it really has galvanised the community here. Come up the hill, though, uh, and this is an area which isn't necessarily going to be so directly affected now, but I'm talking to Kevin Soden, who's from the H HS2 uh, Amersham Action Group. Now, Kevin, just explain the sense of feeling around this area where, uh, where we are against the train line. It's very, very strong indeed. I think the real uh, reason it's, it's continued and grown in strength is because the more people have got to know about how HS2 really came into being, um, we, you know, it was launched as a political decision. The more that we've got to know about it, the more that we realise it's just not necessary. And because of that, and together with the fact that so many people's homes are going to be blighted, people feel incredibly strongly about it. And we're not just fighting for Amersham. We're fighting for the half a million, the 500,000 homes that are going to be directly affected by this line, if it ever goes ahead. Today there's a, uh, the paving bill. It's about money, really. It's about releasing funds. Is it a significant step? Oh, it's definitely about money. In fact, it shouldn't be called the uh, paving bill. It should be called the blank check bill. Um, the essence of, of this is that, again, the government, um, in the guise of HS2 Limited, its wholly owned subsidiary, have vastly overspent. They've already spent £800 million. In other words, just under a billion pounds and they haven't even put a spade in the ground. And that's purely going on consultants and planning and straightforward 
um, thinking about how they're going to solve um, the problems that HS2 will undoubtedly bring. What this paving bill does is basically give them a blank cheque, totally uncontrolled expenditure for the rest of this parliament, and it's expected that they'll spend a billion pounds. Just on this bill alone? Just on this bill alone. Do you not see the, the benefits that are talked about? We heard earlier this week from the government, from HS2 Limited, about the, the impact that it's going to have on some of the other areas around the country. Uh, there's talk of uh, potentially £15 billion a year in, in net benefits to the UK. Does that, does that have any sort of sense of you know, being an acceptable argument here? Well, it would, it would be good um, if that was true, wouldn't it? This 15 billion, uh, what did um, the government do? Did it go to a reputed uh, economic foundation or, uh, shall we say, um, a really strong uh, economist? No, they didn't. They went to KPMG, who came up with what has been aptly described as voodoo economics. Within 24, 48 hours, your own business ed uh, editor, Robert Peston, um, had ridiculed that. So, yes, of course there are going to be some benefits. But if the benefits are so fantastic, why haven't they come out, come out any time in the last three years? It's just crazy. Do you get a sense that this is a battle that's already been lost, though? Oh, absolutely not. There's everything to play for. I, cannot, I can't put it any more simply than the more that people know about HS2, the more they question the reasoning behind it. Okay, thank you very much, Kevin. Uh, we will be in this area for the rest of the morning, Ian, so I'll go and get some more uh, sort of views from, uh, from Great Missenden, just up the road, and also from Wendover, where this line will come out of the tunnel, where indeed lots of people are particularly concerned, and indeed we've heard some stories about people's houses being worth nothing at all. So uh, back to you for now. Paul, thank you very much indeed. Thank you for, uh, as well to your guest there, uh, Kevin Soden. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Well, those queues on the M25 are getting slightly better, but there are still delays. That's because it's down to two lanes between Junction 25 in Enfield and 24 for Potter's Bar. There's recovery work after an earlier accident. Queues still back to Junction 28 Brook Street Roundabout, but it's taking just over an hour to get through now, so it's been cut by about half an hour. Also anti-clockwise, one lane is closed between Junction 17 from Maple Cross and 16 for the M40. Things are slow there uh, from Junction 19 for Watford. The M1 London bound, there was an earlier accident at Junction 7 involving three cars. Things are slow back to the Toddington services and the travel time is just over half an hour there. On the M40 northbound, things are slow coming off the A40 at Denham roundabout heading up towards the M25. And if you're heading southbound on the A1M, things are slow around Junction 7 for Stevenage. And on Broadway Hall, uh, both directions looking a bit uh, slow between the football grounds and the A1M. In Hitchin, we had a call from Dave to say there are queues on Purton Road eastbound between Hitchin Road and Upper Tilehouse Street. On the public transport there are no reported problems i'm alice glossop bbc three counties radio right, it's 8 18 it's thursday the 31st of october i'm ian lee these are your headlines on bbc three counties radio mps will vote today on draft legislation allowing the groundwork to be laid for the controversial hs2 rail line that would run through parts of buckinghamshire university lecturers at colleges across beds hearts and bucks are expected to take part in a national one-day strike today over pay the weather cloudy this morning with outbreaks of rain drier conditions will follow in the afternoon coming up poppies what's a decent amount to pay bbc three counties radio
videos for BBC Children in Need. Cometh Pajama Friday. Cometh the Class 3C Bake Sale. Cometh the Fun Runs and Bike Rides. Cometh the Dance-a-thons, the Hula Hoop-a-thons and any other silly-a-thons. Cometh the Hour. Cometh the Heroes. for BBC Children in Need and get your free fundraising pack now at bbc.co.uk slash pudsy. Be a hero! <laughs> Be a hero for BBC Children in Need! I've actually got... Oh, sorry, hang on. Hang on. <laughs> I've actually got quite a good voice, haven't I? Haven't you? You have. That You're was, not bad either. That was love it. Oh, well, I've got a very fine singing voice. I think maybe we could start a singing group, play the cabarets, <laughs> call ourselves Mirror Image. Oh! Or, or Taboo. Oh, I quite like that. Cocktail. Do you reckon we go down well? If we call cocktail, we probably would. <laughs> now, busy show. I've got Justin coming up yes. in a second. You know what he's like. So what, oh, have you yes. got, what have you got on your show this morning? Well, it's interesting you mentioned Justin, oh. because uh, on this morning's big phone-in, I'm going to be asking, should you be ashamed of yourself if you don't wear a poppy? Justin Dealey has been out onto the streets of Bedfordshire to see how many people are wearing the red poppy. Mm. Many of the older people he spoke to were angry that the younger generation just don't understand what the poppy stands for and don't donate money to the Royal British Legion. However, when Justin spoke to younger people, and you'll hear this in just a second, he found that perhaps some of those older people have got it a bit wrong. Outside Beds, Hearts and Bucks, one Methodist priest has hit the headlines for refusing to wear the red poppy. She says it promotes the idea of war. But critics argue she's totally misunderstood the point of the poppy and she should be ashamed of herself. Well, this morning from nine on the big phone-in, should you be ashamed of yourself if you don't wear a poppy? Call me 08459 455 555. I'll take your calls from nine. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Uh, that's right, Justin Dealey was speaking earlier on to uh, older people uh, about their uh, opinions of younger people. And, and it's fair to say, Justin, a lot of them, uh, a lot of the older people thought that the younger people weren't wearing poppies and lacked respect. But you've been out as well speaking to younger people, haven't you? I have. I think we're going to hear from the older people first of all. Um, their views were that uh, the younger generation had no understanding and absolutely no respect towards the poppy. I think we can hear those views now. Here's what people had to say. Let's face it. Most of them are, they haven't got a clue what it's all about, anyhow, what poppies are for. When you say most of them, um, who are you talking about there? Well, the younger elements, they couldn't care less. We owe our lives, everything to these people. They gave their lives for us. It's about time some of these youngsters realised that. So that's older people, Justin, who, who were saying that younger people weren't showing their respect. You did speak to younger people, didn't you? Yeah, I mean, I've got to be honest, Ian. I, I thought those views were, were very, very unfair, actually. So I have been talking to the younger generation, and I asked them, do they buy a poppy every single year? Here's what they had to say. Yeah, I always buy a poppy every single year, yeah. And what about friends of yours? Do, do they look at you and do they laugh at you for wearing one? No, because it's um, to have some um, a bit of thought and... Uh, for people that have fought for our country, I think it's great, and people will understand that. Archie, how old are you? 18. 18 years old. Will you be wearing a poppy this year? Probably, yeah. Can you tell us why you're going to be wearing one? Because I'm English, and, yeah. No, because obviously I listen to, like, Tommy Robinson and that, and because he defends it, doesn't he, about the English nation and that. So, I, yeah, I've listened to him and I'll wear one. Right, how old are you? 19. And yourself? 
18. Right, okay. Will you be wearing a poppy this year, first of all yourself? Yeah. Okay, tell us why you're going to be wearing one. <laughs> I wear one every year. And you, do you wear one? Yeah. <laughs> I'm being told this morning that the younger generation, i.e. you two, you have no respect and no regard for the poppy, but that's clearly not the case, is it? No, I wear one every year. You know what it stands for? Yeah, Remembrance Day, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and all the soldiers that, like, died in the war. Right, as somebody who's 21, younger generation, will you be wearing a poppy this year? Yes, I will be. Can you tell us what it stands for? Um, it stands for all those um, people who have represented our country in war zones and obviously helping to protect our country and our land. I mean, some of your friends will, will try and act all cool. When you're wearing your poppy, do they almost laugh at you and take the mickey out of you? No, um, obviously I've always had around people, obviously we've always um, embraced it. Uh, everywhere I've been, everyone embraces it, so obviously no, but um, it's quite nice to wear it though. Robin, you're 19. Mm -hmm. Wearing the poppy, does that mean anything to you at all? Yeah, like, I work for the co-op and they, they always, like, do all the charity stuff, so I have to wear one when I work and stuff, yeah. When you say you have to wear one, would it be your choice to wear one? Yeah, it, yeah, it, it goes to a good cause. Justin, thank you for that. Very interested by the young gentleman who's saying he, he wears a poppy because Tommy Robinson says you need to because we're English. So he doesn't understand what the poppy's about. Anyway, listening to that is a friend of the show, Colonel John Hamilton from the Royal British Legion. Uh, good morning, Colonel. You've been selling poppies in Luton for almost a decade. What's your reaction to what you've just heard? Well, first of all, I'll correct you. I'm not a member of the Royal British Legion. I'm just a volunteer poppy seller. Excellent. Thank you very much for correcting me. You're welcome. What do you make about what you've just heard? Uh, I see no difference this year from any previous years. Yeah. The young people are buying poppies. Of course, the attitude of the younger people depends very much on the attitudes of their parents and also what they're taught in schools. And some schools are very supportive towards the poppy appeal and some are definitely not. We heard there one young gentleman who um, uh, buys a poppy because Tommy Robinson, former leader of the English Defence League, says we need to buy them because we're English. That's not what it's about, is it? Well, why do you wear the poppy? Do you wear the poppy? Yes, I do wear the poppy. Well, you wear it for remembrance and in gratitude towards those who risked life and limb for our security, don't you? Well, I, I'm asking you what your opinion was of that gentleman who, who says <coughs> that he, he wears it because Tommy Robinson has told him to wear it because he's English. Well, it's a rather narrow opinion rather than being the broader one I've just given you. We've had uh, lots of comments about this on uh, Facebook. Look, let's read this from Grace. This is an interesting one. Uh, she says, My humble opinion, the poppy symbol doesn't look that nice to me. I personally won't be wearing one. Firstly, it can mean other things. Secondly, it's not very attractive. And you want my comment on that? Yes, please. Right. Well, the poppy is not a fashion statement, is it? No. She also goes on to say, regarding the young ones, uh, it's, it's unfair to say they have no respect. I mean, if they had no respect, they probably wouldn't spend hours playing Call of Duty and Halo. They're, they're um, uh, war video games. So the passion is there. Is that a good way of expressing passion? No, not really. You're talking about video games. Yes. Totally different concept. Mm-hmm. What about the white poppy, Colonel? We spoke to a gentleman earlier on who works for the organisation that supply the white poppy. He says that uh, the white poppy, um, basically, it's still remembering those who have fallen and those who have served, but it's also saying, look, we don't want any more war. That's quite a nice message, isn't it? Oh, it's a lovely message. Everyone doesn't want any more war. Everyone wants peace. You don't need to wear a white poppy to say that. 
He uh, claimed that the uh, the red poppy was perhaps um, a political message and that those uh, who were serving in the military that wore a red poppy were being hypocritical. Really? Well, that's total rubbish. The poppy is a, a memory of Flanders. And the poppy grew in Flanders among the carnage and the mud of the First World War where a generation was slaughtered. And the colours are very carefully chosen for the poppy. They are green for the, for the leaf for the fields of Flanders, red for the blood that was shed, and the black centre is for the grief. The white poppy is uh, the symbol white, has been in our society regarded as cowardice. The first white poppies were sold in 1933, and they were issued as a challenge to a continuing drive to war. The funny thing is that the person driving for war was Hitler, and the appeaser was Chamberlain. So it doesn't make sense. And finally, Colonel, what is the um, suggested donation for buying a po- when people buy a poppy? Well, most old-age pensioners will give me a pound. And old-age pensioners, you have to remember, have less disposable income than a lot of people on benefits. If you think about a pound as a donation, it represents tuppence a week over the year. Ten pounds represents 20 pence a week over the year. It's not a lot of money to show gratitude and remembrance for the sacrifices made by our armed forces and the freedom that everyone has, the choice to wear the poppy or not, is provided by the armed forces. And I think people should remember that and say thank you and wear the poppy and make a proper donation. You say a proper donation. I um, generally give a pound for my poppy. Uh, I, I can afford to pay more, but I'm also supporting other charities. A pound in my head seems fair. Is, is that being tight and disrespectful? No, I'm not saying that at all. But the average family this year, I understand, is spending £13 on Halloween. And your point is? The point is, people have different priorities, and maybe some of the values we have in our society are wrong, that our society has become more secular and selfish. Um, but, but one of the, of course, the, 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 the uh, outcomes of particularly the Second World War is that people have the freedom to do that. Indeed. They have the freedom of choice. And they have the freedom to wear the poppy and make a donation or not. And that freedom was provided by the armed forces. So a small thank you. I think is appropriate. If Final question, uh, Colonel, I, re- I do appreciate your time this morning. If we don't wear a poppy, if people are listening to this don't wear a poppy, should they be ashamed of themselves? No. They have a choice. And you respect that choice? Of course. Colonel, where, where, whereabouts will you be selling your poppies t- this year? Well, as you know, I no longer sell in the Arndale because they wanted to charge the Royal British Legion money for parking. Yes, they changed their, their, their minds, didn't they, after several years? Uh, yes, well, it was a new manager, Mark Broadhead. Um, now I sell poppies at uh, Asda, Wigmore Lane, so my message to the people of Luton is... Come to Asda, buy your cheap petrol, and come and see me and buy a poppy. Colonel, uh, it's, I appreciate you coming on this morning. Thank you very much for your time. You're very welcome. Thank you very much indeed. That's Colonel John Hamilton, a volunteer poppy seller. Travel news for beds, cards, and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
On the M1 heading northbound, the road is blocked between Junction 9 for Redbourne and 10 for Luton after an accident. All of the traffic has been stopped, so queues are building. There are emergency services attending. Thanks to Vanessa, Jamie, Pat and David for calling that in. On the M1 London-bound, those problems have now cleared. On the M25, however, the problems still continue anti-clockwise. There are those severe delays where it's down to two lanes between Junction 25 for Enfield and 24 for Potter's Bar. There's recovery work going on. Queues are back to Junction 28 for Brookstreet. Street roundabout and it's taking just over an hour to get through. Also anti-clockwise there's one lane closed between junction 17 for Maple Cross and 16 for the M40. It's after an earlier breakdown things are slow from junction 19 for Watford there. Joining the M25 from the A40 that's what making things slow on the M40 northbound coming off the Denham roundabout In Hitchin, Dave called in because there are queues on Pearton Road eastbound between Hitchin Road and Upper Tilehouse Street On the public transport, London Midland has a bus replacement service running between St Albans Abbey and and Watford Junction after the storm on Monday affecting the overhead lines. This is Alice Glossop, BBC Three Counties Radio. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. It's half past eight. I'm Barry Caffrey. The headlines, MPs will vote today on draft legislation allowing the groundwork to be laid for the controversial high-speed two rail line that would run through parts of Buckinghamshire. The bill is expected to be approved, although some Conservatives are likely to vote against the plans. A man has been stabbed by three masked men who forced their way into his home near Leighton Buzzard. It happened at Red Line Court at Heath and Reach at about 20 past 11 on Tuesday night. The men demanded cash and got away with two laptops and a set of car keys. Police are appealing for witnesses after a woman died in a road traffic collision on the A1M last night. It happened after 6pm on the southbound carriageway, just after the exit slip road at Junction 3. The woman was travelling with a man in a green Vauxhall Astra, which collided with a silver Land Rover Discovery. University lecturers at colleges across Beds, Hearts and Books are expected to take part in a national one-day strike today over pay. This morning, picket lines are expected at both campuses of the University of Hertfordshire, as well as at the Luton and Bedford sites of the University of Bedfordshire and the Open University. And the weather, it'll be a dry morning with some hazy sunshine. It'll stay dry for most places this afternoon, but there may be a few spots of rain from any thicker cloud around. Maximum temperatures of 13 degrees Celsius. That's 55 degrees Fahrenheit. Three Counties Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. Tottenham have reached the quarter-finals of the League Cup after beating Hull City on penalties. Spurs came from 2-1 behind in extra time to draw 2-all and force the shootout, which they then went on to win 8-7. Andre Villas-Boas was delighted to see his side finally win a penalty shootout after losing their previous seven attempts. Also for myself, I've lost a couple in the Cup against Academica and uh, we suffered in Basel last season. And, uh, you know, the most uh, ironic thing is that we, we didn't train this time for penalties and all of them were slotted perfectly. <laughs> and, uh, and against Basel, we trained and trained and, uh, and ended up uh, missing all uh, three of them. So uh, it, was, it was great for the players to enjoy this victory and, and break that wood as well. Well, Manchester City beat Newcastle 2-0 in the other fourth round tie. The draw for the League Cup quarterfinals has been made. Tottenham host West Ham, Manchester City travel to Leicester, Stoke play Manchester United and Chelsea will face the winner of Sunderland versus Southampton. 
The England captain Chris Robshaw is confident the side will be match sharp when they face Australia at Twickenham on Saturday. England haven't played since June and in that time Australia have played in a series against the British and Irish Lions and been involved in the Rugby Championship. However, Robshaw believes his teammates have been facing tough enough tests with their club sides keep keeping sharp. We're lucky that pretty much everyone had a challenging Heineken Cup kind of two weekends going to build up to this. So hopefully that physicality element will be there and will be sorted. They've played a lot more internationals recently than us. Um, we just have to make sure that when we get out there on Saturday, we, we don't warm up into anything. We go from minute one and if we get one or two chances, we have to make sure we're good enough to take them. England's bowlers are struggling to make a breakthrough against a Western Australia chairman's 11 in Perth. A short time ago, the hosts had reached 221 for one. And Rory McIlroy leads the field by two shots at the World Golf Championships event in Shanghai. He's seven under par after shooting a first round of 65. BBC Three Counties News and Sport. I'll have more at nine. Email 3cr at bbc.co.uk BBC Three Counties Radio confusing email from Barry says to wear or not to wear to pay less or more it's a free this is the poppy it's the freedom of choice the, uh, it's a freedom of choice the very thing that many fought and died to give us this freedom the poppy is a token of respect for these people who we should be proud to honour wear your poppy with pride so he's saying kind of, it, it appears to me Barry you're saying we have the freedom to wear it or not but you should wear it I think that's what, it's, that's what it sounds like, doesn't it, Catherine? It did sound a bit like "Do what you want, but make sure you wear a poppy." Yeah, yeah, which is which is interesting. I don't, I don't know. Oh wait, four five nine four double five five double five. The last thirty minutes of the show before JVS. More of your calls on poppies. How much would you pay for a poppy? Should we? Uh, Jonathan uh, will be asking this morning. Should we uh, be ashamed of ourselves if we don't wear poppies? It's an interesting one. I don't. I don't know if shame is the right thing. There seems to be a guilt thing, doesn't there? There's a, you, you do get looks if you're not wearing a poppy. And if a celebrity or a reporter or someone is on the television between now and um, the 11th and isn't wearing a poppy, oh, you can bet there'll be a furore about that. If it's on the BBC, it'll be front page of the Daily Mail. 08459 455 555. Also talking about Halloween, we had an email from uh, Jennifer who uh, basically likened it to devil worship. What do you think? Do you take it that seriously? It's just a bit of fun, isn't it? Just a bit of fun. Uh, and on the subject of, uh, well, we had a call yesterday from a gentleman called Robert, 52, lives in Bedfordshire. Um, he's having a bit of a tough time, struggling to afford food and pay his bills. Uh, I, I think the core problem is that he's lonely. Well, I'm going to have a little look online over the next couple of days uh, and uh, see if I can find any things uh, in, uh, in Robert's area. And I'll give him a call next week off air. And I'll, I'll put forward a couple of contact details and stuff, and then it's over to him. It's up to him as to whether he acts on that. But Craig in Ellsbury's called in. Morning, Craig. Morning, Ian. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Craig, what, what can I do for you? Yeah, I was just listening to your conversation and, and uh, what he's having with that chap, and um, and I think, you know, what a tragic case. It's um, I, I, was, I, I phoned him because he was saying about being lonely. Um, now, look, I, I go to church um, and not... If he wants to go and meet people, tell him to go to church... Okay, the church is a place that opens its doors to to people that are that are struggling, that just want to talk, who just want to meet people. It's not just about God. Okay, you have to belong to somewhere before you believe. That's the most thing, anyway. But if he goes along to church, um, there are people there that will that will gather around him, and that if he explains his situation, there are things that can be put in place by the church. Churches now have a lot of connections with 
people like social services and they get referred to us and things like that now so you know it's, it's a good place to start they they do a lot of churches do food banks we we in the vineyard church do the food bank we do the furniture store um you know for people that, that are less fortunate really and struggling craig i'm, I'm gonna let you go just because the line's not great but i think you got your point across uh, there would be nice i had a longer chat about that but um the line was, was pretty bad, but that's Craig in Ellsbury suggesting he goes to the church. I guess going into... I, I've been going to churches recently just because I've been a lot of time hanging around. It's nice to sit in a church. Oh, it's a fantastic service in uh, Westminster, not the cathedral, the Abbey. Westminster Abbey. I was in there to do a bit of reading and suddenly the service started. Fant- the choir was amazing. But uh, you can... Und- I don't know what Robert's religious persuasion is if he has one, but um, it can be... Churches can be intimidating. Um, and they, uh, if you're not religious, they can, it can be, uh, tricky and permission to speak freely. Thank you. Churches that I have sat in, they are quite often filled with, I don't want to sound rude when I'm saying this, but I don't know if there's any way to say it and not sound rude. They're filled with old women. Filled with women in their seven, not filled. The, the, the few seats that are taken are from what I have seen. Are kind of women in their seventies. Oh wait, four five nine four double five five double five. Uh, Sarah's in Long Crendon. Good morning, Sarah. The subject of poppies. Yeah, good morning, Ian. I have to say, it's actually made me quite angry listening to some of the comments from some of the older generation today. I mean, let me just say first of all that I'm an army brat. My father did twenty five years in the um, armed services. Um, what I think some of these older people need to understand, rather than making the blanket sweeping statements about the younger generation and not caring and having no idea, what they actually need to realise is there's a proportion of the younger generation who are today waking up in Afghanistan to go out on patrol, not knowing whether they're actually going to come back in one piece or if at all. So it's not just about the Great War, the Second World War, it's about the Falklands, it's about Northern Ireland, it's about... Iraq. The money raised today for poppies will help young men and young women who are coming back from places like Afghanistan. Jonathan Vernon-Smith, after nine, is asking a very interesting question. Should people feel ashamed if they don't wear the poppy? Um, I, I would never say that, no, because if I did that, then that would make me... If, if I were to say that people to, were to be ashamed of not doing something, that would make me as bad as people making sweeping statements about a generation of people. Um, my choice is that I wear a poppy. My family's choice is that we wear poppies. But if people don't want to wear them for whatever reason, then that's that's their choice. But please don't slate a whole generation when there's a number of them who are not going to be coming home. Sarah, thank you very much indeed. 08459 455 555. We had an email from Jennifer. I, I think this bears reading out again. About Halloween. Ian, it bothers me that some parents think it's a good thing to introduce their children to devil worship. Are they crazy? It seems to me that more people in the UK believe in vampires rather than God. It must be the skunk weed, the drugs and the booze that are changing people's brains more than they realise. Well, Halloween, is it devil worship? My eldest son dressed up as a witch at the weekend, eventually. I managed to get him in the flipping outfit. He's got a witch's broom, pointy hat, little cloak. He uh, is, is enjoying cutting... Probably this very moment, he'll be cutting out pumpkins with his mum. Uh, and we, we did a little bit of trick-or-treating. It was kind of staged. He was at a Halloween party, and the person who, who was organising the party had arranged for the next-door neighbour to have some sweeties. So a group of three, four-year-olds trooped round. Trick-or-treat! And my boy didn't want to do it. Didn't want to do it. Hated it. 
Then as soon as he got sweets, he went, Daddy, can we go to the next house and do it? And then he went and trick-and-treated his grandmother. There's nothing, there's no harm in that. It's not devil worship, is it? Shirley, it's not devil worship, is it? It's just a bit of harmless fun. I wouldn't call it devil worship, but when they go from door to door, I call it begging. They're begging for sweets, and I don't believe in that, I'm afraid. When I never, until I moved where I am now, I, we never ever, ever even thought about Halloween. I didn't do it as a child, my children didn't do it, and it wasn't until I moved where I am now that it happened, you know, all of a sudden, children were knocking on the door. It's a bit of fun though, isn't it, for them? No, if they want to have their parties at home, then fair enough. But please don't go knocking on other people's doors begging oh, for treats. You, Shirley, you kill Joy. No, I'm not a killjoy. I'm a pensioner. I can't afford to be buying sweets for other people's children. Well, then don't open... I'm sorry. Don't open the door, then, when they knock. I don't. I don't. Well, I, have a, f- I have a police notice on my door. No trick or treat. Oh, no. I do. The same oh. as a lot of other people do Surely. as well. Those poor I've children. Seen lot, no, I've seen lots of, lots of them on people's windows and doors. Oh, those poor children. They're, they're, they're experimenting... Those poor children, Ian, have probably got a lot more money than I have. But you don't have to listen. Just don't open the door. You don't have to have a sign up saying no trick or treaters. No, I, I, I just—that's what I think, and that—that—that is my view. Are you jealous of them? No, not at all. Why would I be jealous of them? Well, because you didn't have the wonderful gift of no. trick or treating when you were a no, child. No, no, no. This is all powdered eggs. from America. It's so commercialised, Ian. It's all come from America. And sometimes I've never even heard of Halloween when I was a child. We never even heard of it. Well, but so America has good ideas sometimes, and, and this is a great one, getting children to interact with the community, speak to their neighbours. How many people speak to their neighbours these days? It, it depends how, how much you go out. Or well, young people don't speak to their neighbours. You get to meet all of the young people that live in your area. I, I know some of the children that live in my the area. Joy, and... The joy on the faces, Shirley, when I open the door and there's a little ghost and there's a little skeleton and there's a witch and they say, trick or treat. And I go, oh, oh, you scared me. Oh, I better give you a treat. Luckily, I have this big bag full of sweeties. Why don't you put your hands in and see what you can grab? Oh, it's joyous. <laughs> Ian, you can afford it. I can't, I'm afraid. I'm sorry, I can't afford to be doing it. It's as simple as that. But I, I'm going off of the Halloween subject. I bought my copy yesterday. And how and much I, did you give? I put a pound in the box because that was all I could afford. Well, good, Shirley, good for you. I appreciate your call this morning. Thank you very much indeed. Is Shirley being a little mean? A sign-up saying no trick-or-treaters? You just don't open the door if you don't want to, do you? I love it. Kids, kids, we have a little pumpkin in the window. We, we moved to a new place. I don't quite know if it's going to work there or not. Uh, but we have a pumpkin in the window with the, with the face cut out, a candle in it. That's basically, that's like having a red light, isn't it? In Soho, it's saying, yes, you're welcome. They knock on the door. Oh, my goodness, there's a skeleton. Well, luckily, Mr. Skellington, I've got some sweeties. It's a bit of fun, isn't it? I wish that I'd had it when I was a kid. 08459 four double five five double five. BBC Three Counties Radio. Here's the Travel Now with Alice. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
Thanks very much. The M1 northbound is still blocked between Junction 9 for Redbourne and 10 for Luton after an accident. The traffic's been stopped, so the queues are building there. The emergency services are attending. Uh, we had a call from Vanessa, Jamie, Pat and David about that, so thank you. Um, we've also had a call from Martin about the M1 London bound. That's slow between Junction 12 for Flittick and 11 for Dunstable Road. The N25 anti-clockwise still delays um, where it's down to two lanes between Junction 25 for Enfield and 24 for Potter's Bar. Queues still back to 28 for Brook Street Roundabout and it's taking just over an hour and a half to get through. Um, engineers are on the scene cutting the crash barrier away from the lorry there. On the M40 northbound it's slow coming off the A40 at Denham Roundabout heading towards the M25. On the A1M southbound things are still slow around Junction 7 for Stevenage. In Roxton the A1 southbound has one lane blocked because of an accident where the car went into the central reservation at the Black Cat Roundabout. On the public transport London Midland is running a replacement bus service between St Albans Abbey and Watford Junction because of damage to the overhead line after the storm. This is Alice Glossop, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Alice. A lot to get through in the last 15 minutes of the show, including Justin Dealey uh, and lots of your calls. The phones have been so busy today. Thank you very much. In the meantime, it's 8.47. It's Thursday, the 31st of October. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. MPs will vote today on draft legislation allowing the groundwork to be laid for the controversial HS2 rail line that would run through parts of Buckinghamshire. Police are appealing for witnesses after a woman died in a road traffic collision on the A1M last night. Her green Vauxhall Astra collided with a silver Land Rover Discovery just after Junction 3. In sport, Tottenham and Manchester have both reached the quarter-finals of the League Cup. Coming up... Spooky Halloween. <laughs> yeah, it's Halloween, isn't it? Here's the weather with Elizabeth. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Hello, very good morning to you. We've got a few more outbreaks of light rain and drizzle to come, but then it will turn into a drier and a brighter afternoon, so brightening up after the next few hours or so. Always the risk of one or two light showers, I'm afraid, drifting in on the wind. But, um, but you know, we'll see a bit of hazy sunshine around, I dare say. But the uh, the damp, drizzly weather lasting for longest across parts of Hertfordshire this morning. Temperatures on a par with what we saw yesterday, so we're up to 13 or 14 degrees, 57 in Fahrenheit. For the trick-or-treaters tonight, it will turn a bit breezier. Many places will stay dry, but we could see a few outbreaks of drizzle very like uh, this morning. Perhaps lots of cloud around. It's not going to be too cold. Temperatures down to between 7 and 10 degrees overnight. But we'll start off the day tomorrow with plenty of drizzle again, a bit like today. And then gradually that rain is actually going to turn heavier and more persistent as we head into the afternoon, particularly uh, the evening rush hour and the overnight period. And we do actually have a Met Office weather warning out for um, some very heavy rain overnight on Friday into Saturday. In terms of the weekend well Saturday should start off dry and bright if you are looking for a dry slot at the weekend that's probably it because it will turn wetter later on through the day and it will also turn very windy as well in fact quite concerned about these gusts of wind on Saturday not as bad as it was on Monday but we may well see a Met Office warning issued a bit later on in the day so keep tuned to the forecast. Thank you very much. On Saturday, Three County Sport takes over. Takes over. We'll be live from midday with five more live commentaries. And Watford score here inside four minutes. We start with Watford hosting Leicester in the early kickoff. And it's rifled into net. 
Then at three, you can choose MK Dons versus Walsall, Stevenage against Wolves, Wickham at Accrington, or Luton's trip to Gateshead. Eight yards out, post the ball past Jensen. Listen to your local team Saturday from midday here on BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning, Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. We'll, we'll cram in Halloween before the end of the show and as many calls as we can. 08459 455 555. Hazel's called in. Good morning, Hazel. Good morning, Ian. What can I do for you this morning? I've um, rung in to say, if you say Skellington again, I'm yeah. going to come up there and give you a good slap. Oh. It's Skellington, not Skellington. That's what I'm saying, Skellington. It's not Skellington. What is it? It's Skell-E-Ton. Skell-E-Ton. Ton. That's what I'm saying, Skellington. Well, it sounds like you're saying Skellington. No, 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 I'm saying, li- listen carefully, Skellington. Well, you need to clean your lug holes out. Lug holes <laughs> out. Let me ask you a question, okay? Yeah. Why? Why are you so uh, upset because you think I'm saying the word Skellington when actually I'm saying Skellington? For the same reason that you say milk and not milk. Oh dear. Next, you'll be saying it's called a chimney, not a chimbley. Oh. Well, Hazel, listen. Uh, l- 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 let's go through it one more time. Tell me exactly how I'm supposed to say it. Skellington. Okay. Skellington. That's what I'm saying. Okay. You, okay, you, are we friends again? Yes. Are you going to give me a slap? No. Disappointing. <laughs> See you later, Hazel. Thank you very bye much. Bye bye. There we go. So I'm saying, I'm saying Skellington. I'm saying it properly. Jill's in Luton. Good morning, Jill. Good morning. What can I do for you? I'm so cross with these people who think Halloween's a pagan or a non-Christian festival. It's a Christian festival. Oh. Well, it, it's, according to, to Jennifer, it's, it's no, devil worship. It's not. It's actually the original. Uh, origins of it is to do with All Souls Day, which is tomorrow, and and the vigil that started the night before. And people would go out and people would make cakes, which is the origins of uh, trick or treating. And it's mentioned in Shakespeare, so he can't get much more English than that. Does does Shakespeare mention trick or treating? He talks about All Hallows and going out in Two Gentlemen of Verona, um, and it's about the practice and the custom of going out the night before All, all Souls Day. It, what do you think? We we spoke to I think it was Shirley earlier on, who, who who doesn't welcome the trick or treaters. She's even put a sign up. Uh, on the door saying, no trick-or-treaters. Now, listen, I, I think there's a cut-off point. I think 12 is kind of the maximum age. Over that, you're taking the mick. But it's it's wonderful, isn't it, when you get a couple of, like a six- and a seven-year-old knock on your door, and they're dressed up as a ghost and a skeleton, and you look at the end of the garden path, there's their mum sort of going, you know, is this all right? Oh, trick-or-treat! Oh, there's a skeleton! Don't eat me! Have a Mars bar instead. Well, That's nice, isn't it? I think it's wonderful, and I've got my bucket of sweets and my, my house decorated for Halloween today, and I shall be enjoying it. Excellent. Good for you, Jill. I really appreciate your call. Thank you very much uh, indeed. 08459 555 is the telephone. It's a bit of fun. Halloween, it's a little bit of fun. Or devil worship. Fun or devil worship? You decide. Well, uh, uh, earlier on, Justin Dealey spoke to a 22-year-old uh, earlier who's going out trick-or-treating tonight, and he says that people aren't as generous nowadays. Have a listen to this. Boy, I said back in the day they did, but as the years have gone by... I think it's died down, everyone's lost. People are becoming stingy. Yeah, 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 yeah definitely. Now, what happens then? Somebody turns around and says, OK, trick, then what? It, it, depends, on, it depends on who you are. <laughs> <laughs> it depends on who you are, because obviously, yeah. to say trick, and you can egg them, that's a trick at the end of the day, so... You've it, egged somebody before. No, no, I personally haven't. But your friends have. But I've seen it, I've seen it happen. I mean, that's outrageous, isn't it? <laughs> so if somebody says trick, your friends have egged that person on their doorstep. Wait, you can say that, you can say that. 
Wow, that is... That's terrible, isn't it? Come on, you got to admit, that's terrible. I hear that, but... Well, I don't know, boy. But you wouldn't do that personally? No, no, I wouldn't do that. You seem like a nice lad. Yeah, I am, I am. Thank you very much. Appreciate your time. Well, boy, nice to have you on, J-Dog. Listen, can we get him on every day? Anyone that starts a sentence with boy... Why? 22, (laughs) no, don't trick or treat. Go and get a job. Absolutely. No, that's too old for trick or treating, I think. Mm, I 12 is the cut-off. Um, and it's really for six, seven, eight-year-olds, isn't it, I think? It's for kids, not 22-year-olds causing trouble on the streets. Certainly for kids, I would say, anyway. Yeah. Just my opinion. Now, you've been asking people about Halloween. We've, we've had some strong opinions this morning, some people comparing it to devil worship. Well, I've been asking the question this morning, is Halloween just a bit of fun or devil worship? And here's what people have had to say. Devil worship, because I'm a Christian. So even the mention of the word Halloween, does that almost make you cringe a little bit with your beliefs? No, it, it just make me... It makes me, you know, pity people that don't know God. Yeah. Do you think the people going out tonight to celebrate are stupid? Uh, as I said, it's their choice, but, you know, it's just that they don't know better. Should they know better? You know, people know when they maybe perhaps read upon the history of what Halloween is. So your advice would be to anybody today to, to go and read up on the history before going out tonight to celebrate then? Anything you do is just like a job. If you're, going for, if you're applying for a job, you're going to do some research. Very interesting, thank you. You're welcome. Coral, Halloween, is it just a bit of fun or devil worship? Oh, definitely just a bit of fun. It's all for the kids, really. Have you got kids yourself? Uh, no, I don't. But I have got um, a young nephew and he's got a little pumpkin suit and he's really ready. No, I think it's just fun as well, yeah. And how old are you? I'm 19. 19. When was the last time you went out trick-or-treating? I spoke to a 22-year-old this morning who still goes out trick-or-treating. <laughs> uh, probably five, six years ago. Okay. And when you did that, did your mates get up to mischief? Uh, yeah, we always... Always do when you get a bit harder, didn't you? <laughs> yeah. So what were they doing? Come on, be honest. What were your friends doing? Um, like, you know, oldest trick in the book, carrying eggs about, throwing eggs at the windows and stuff. So were you doing that as well? No, I was No, I was always, always uh, just knocking at the doors. And so we're going back four or five years ago here, and your friends on Halloween were were randomly throwing eggs at people's windows. Yeah, if if they didn't answer the door, but that's just what they thought. It was, it's, that's why it's called trick or treating, isn't it? It's just like you're trick or you get a treat. Can I just say, by the way, if Justin Dealey knocks on your door and says trick or treat, give him a treat and don't let him near your handbag. (laughs) Ian, I can't believe the views this morning. I mean, I think, you know, in that piece there, it it sums up Halloween for me. Uh, The good side, the bad side. You've got a young two-year-old child who's got his costume, going to be going out tonight and having fun. And you've got teenagers who use today as an excuse to go out and buy some eggs and chuck them at people's windows, which is disgraceful. I still can't get over that 22-year-old. We had a text... 81333, started 3CR from Beryl. Now, Beryl sounds like a right barrel of laughs. <laughs> when I open the door to trick and treaters, I ask them to tell me why they are dressed as they are <laughs> and what is the meaning of Halloween. Not oh. one child has been able to tell me. Why do parents allow them to celebrate they know something they know nothing about? Oh, Beryl, bah, humbug, boo, here's. Come on, Beryl, it's just a bit of fun. It's all about the kids dressing up and having fun. You know, when it comes to kids and they're going out and they're causing trouble, obviously nobody is going to approve of that. No. But if you've got, you know, kids that are going out and they're having a great time with their parents yep. and it's all about the community spirit, that surely can only be a good thing. I think it's a great thing. And I know tonight, that if I'm out of early evening, I will see, I'll see loads of kids holding hands with their mummies and their daddies. Mm. I'm going to see skeletons. I'm going to see superheroes. Uh, I'm going to see, uh, you know, ghosts. I'm going to see all of these things. Mm. But you might also see a few hooligans out there with their hoodies on. Well, you, 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 you'll see that anyway. Yeah, yeah that's true. That what are you going to dress up as tonight, Just? Probably, uh, probably you. 
Can I go now? I think you better had. Bye. Catherine's going to go out with her youngsters. What are you going to do with Catherine? Lily Munster. Ooh. That's one for the granddads. Yeah. Ooh. And grandmas. Yeah. And older generation. I'm an older generation. The kids gen- have no idea who I am. No. Uh, just a scary lady. So are you going to have the white streak in your hair? Yes. Yeah, Wear it tomorrow. <laughs> Wear the white streak in your hair tomorrow, please. It's a wig. I'll bring it. You can have a go. Thanks very much. Kelly Betts, what, you're, a, you're a kid. What are you going to dress up as? I'm going to dress up as you. That's I've got just, your face Justin's, mask. Justin's done that joke. Oh, did he? I was on the phone. Okay. I'll go as Dealey then. Okay. We kind of petered out again at the end of the show. We need to really work on these endings, guys. Sorry, bruv. Thanks, Justin. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. On the M1 northbound, the road is still blocked between Junction 9 for Redbourne and 10 for Luton after an accident. All the traffic was stopped, so the queues were building up there. The emergency services are attending. Thank you to Vanessa, Jamie, Pat and David for calling that in. On the M1 London-bound, things are looking slow between Junction 12 for Flittick and 11 for Dunstable Road. The M25 anti-clockwise still has severe delays where it's been down to two lanes between Junction 25 for Enfield and 24 for Potter's Bar. There was an earlier accident involving two lorries. There were queues back to Junction 28 Brook Street roundabout, taking over an hour and a half to get through. Engineers are on the scene, cutting the crash barrier away from the lorry there. On the M40 northbound, it's slow coming off the A40 at Denham roundabout, heading towards the M25. And in Roxton, the A1 southbound has one lane blocked because of an accident where a car has gone into the central reservation at the Black Cat roundabout. On the public transport, London Midland has a replacement bus service running between St Albans Abbey and Watford Junction. I'm Alice Gloss at BBC Three Counties Radio. Alice, excellent stuff. Thank you very much indeed. Right, that's it. That's your lot. Do keep emailing me, ian.lee at bbc.co.uk. JVS is up next with what's going to be a cracking show. I'll be back tomorrow at six. Until then, ta-ta. Local and vocal across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Ian. Good morning.